Steve Allen. Morning, Friday. So Frankie Boyle's upset a few people. He knows how to get the publicity, doesn't he? He knows how to get front-page headlines. The good old mirror, who see themselves as the bastion of morals in this country, have put on the front page TV bosses Lance Boyle. You know, as... Oh, it doesn't matter. But uh, apparently Channel 4 said they'll never work with him ever again. He made jokes about the Saudi team. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Frankie Boyle. To be honest with you, you know with him what you get. He's offensive. He's rude. Sometimes you sit there and go, ooh, I think that was so near. But it doesn't matter. You know, if you're one of those easily offended people, grow up. He's not remotely interested in you. Channel 4 won't, won't drop him. They won't, because Channel 5 will pick him up, because he rates as an audience getter. The, the Sun, his column, is still, in fact, it's in today, in The Sun. I'll believe it when, when The Sun go, we're, we're now going to drop Frankie Boyle. He's, he offends everybody. Who cares? Who cares? It's comedy. It's comedy. Get over yourselves. It's like the, the Daily Mirror. Never make a drama out of a crisis or a mountain out of a molehill. Cheryl's car crash ordeal. Injured star. I'll defy the doctors. Uh, Cheryl's idea of defying the doctors is, way a. Eh? Uh, the doctors say, do you not think you should rest for a couple of days, pet? Nor got single to pr- promote. So she flew back in with her arm in a sling. So it shows how serious it was. You know, Will I Am, who was the buffoon driving the car, drives, they, they, they go out for a late night McDonald's. <laughs> I think she must eat the paper bag or something. She doesn't look like she eats any food. And he then crashes into somebody else's car. So it's his fault. The man's an idiot. The police should have been called. He should have been arrested, thrown in prison. Instead, he goes to the doctors and they give him one of those silly, what I call fake neck braces. You know, we go, oh, I've got whiplash, got whiplash. But anyway, Cheryl's car crash ordeal. They were doing about three miles an hour, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> as I say, it's hilarious to look at. But uh, she's over here now because she's got another cre- another uh, single to promote. And no doubt she'll be popping up all over the place. Just 48 hours. Brave Cheryl. I mean, you just see this one coming a mile off, don't you? You just think, you know, it's very good. Apparently she was bleeding. Well, you know, I cut my finger the other day. I was bleeding too. Didn't make the front page of the papers, though. Steve Allen cannot make programme. Steve Allen cannot arrive in the show. Shock horror. You know, country in mourning. Meltdown. Steve Allen. He could have died. That kind of thing. Oh. Dear. Anyway, loads of stories of the papers to get you going. Two, two stories this morning, which are three stories, I think, which have, uh, which have upset me so greatly. I actually told a fib at the beginning of the programme. They upset me that badly. I didn't actually drink the tomato juice. I can't bear tomato juice in the cold light of day. Tomato juice only looks good to me if you're sort of sitting there late into the evening. And yesterday, because you know I'm, I'm going on holiday, it's a rare occurrence. I don't do it very often. And when I do do it... I kind of like to do it in some sort of style. So I've joined the Virgin Mile High Club. Sorry, not Mile High Club. It's the Frequent Flyer Club, which, of course, is ridiculous because I don't do any frequent flying. That's the problem. I only do it, like, once a year. But I quite like Virgin. I mean, I like British Airways, but I like Virgin as well. So I'm going with them. And it turns out I'm, I'm, I thought I was having to join the club because on the trip I'm doing, it's worth 13,000 air miles. Or some or points or whatever it is. In fact, I've only got to do one more trip, and I've got free tr- a free flight to Europe, or I can do free first class upgrades, which I mean, first class is wasted on me. I know people say you should always go first class, and I, I like to do the business class because I think it's better. I don't want to sit at a bar drinking across the Atlantic. All I want to do is go to sleep. I'm quite happy to get on a plane, check on my little piece of luggage. Apparently, when when you go um, business, you get. Two pieces. You can check on two pieces of luggage. Well, I mean, I don't... It doesn't bother me. I, I travel light to Vegas because it's so blooming hot. You don't need to dress up for anything at all. I don't, I don't wear shorts. Not with my legs. It's not, a, not an advisable thing. And, and it's, I should be travelling over there. And the moment I get on the plane, I'll have a little... I don't even have the champagne that they offer. They'll say, would you like a glass of champagne? No, thank you. 
You know, if I want champagne, I can drink it any I'm not one of these people who goes, well, I paid for the flight, I'm going to drink my way across the Atlantic. I'm not like that. I don't... I'd, 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 I like being woken up with a little something to eat or a nice lolly or an ice cream. Just something like that, just to sort of cleanse the palate. But... I don't want to sort of end it. And the, the moment the thing takes off, the drinks trolley is up and down the aisle. And, you know, I don't have a problem with people doing That's the way people get across the Atlantic. Then great for them. But it just doesn't bother me in the slightest. So I spoke to my friend Graham and he said, he said, you're going first. I said, no, no, no. I said, I'm, I'm just going premium economy. And he said, you should go first. I said, what's the point? I said, you like to sit at the bar. All I want to do is go to sleep. The moment the thing takes off, I've had my little glass of uh, fizzy water. I like to make sure I've got a bottle of water with me, which is that de rigueur now, wherever you go, even in the car, even in the car. And, uh, and so it's, it's, it's sort of one of those things that you have it, you sit on the plane, and then the moment I've had my little ice light, I'm out for the count. I'm absolutely out for the count. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, I'm not remotely bothered. The only thing that bothers me is when I wake up, and you think, oh, I've only been asleep for like 20 minutes. <laughs> You've still got another 10 hours to go or whatever it is. Then they go, and the film today is... And on Virgin, you've all got your own little screen, which is great. It's, it's, it's great, but it doesn't, it doesn't sort of make the journey any, any shorter. I just think you should be knocked out at the airport. I think that what you should do is, they, is as you check in, they say, would you like to sleep for the whole journey or not? And they give you a tablet... And literally, if you fall asleep before you get to the plane, they wheel you on, put you in the seat, strap you in, and just leave you there. And I think that would be brilliant. I'd be, I'd be more than happy to do that. It doesn't bother me. Because when you get off the other end in Vegas, and the airport uh, in Vegas is literally just outside Vegas. It's within, it's within about 400 yards. You land, and you can see all the, the skyscrapers and the, and the big hotels and the wind. And as you're flying over it, and I always look down every time I go there because I just quite like Vegas. If you've never been and you're an adult, go, because it's an adult playground. You could live in the hotels. I mean, I don't go there to gamble. As you know, I only go there for my interest in magic. So we've got another Paul Stone magic convention to go to, which is going to be fantastic. The last one was brilliant. It was really brilliant. And uh, this time we're in a, in a lovely... Uh, I think it's a motel, but I've upgraded the room. It's so cheap. I mean, it is so cheap over there because the the rooms, they almost give away. Food, they give away. And they love giving, you know, all this stuff out because they want you to gamble. But, of course, with me, they make a big mistake because I'm not a gambler. I've done it in the past. It doesn't. I don't get any thrill out of it. There's no thrill to me in, in, in losing money. <laughs> 84850 uk. Loads of your texts and uh, emails to get through uh, Plus I'll tell you Exactly what's happening on In Conversation over the weekend We'll give you the rundown as well on what Nick Ferrari's doing And um, and uh, and Claire Balding She's in the papers She has a troubled but inspiring story She's a lesbian I just want to tell you that it's, I find it so funny that the Daily Mail are doing a story The Daily Mail are serialising Claire Balding's book you know, the Daily Mail, who uh, do you think they're even aware of what lesbians are? You do ask the question, don't you? It's Middle England lesbian. Good heavens, but you think so. Good heavens, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, I mean, we love Claire Balding. I think she's got an autobiography out. And so she talks about her girlfriend, and she talks about people she's upset, and people who've done this, and people who've done that. Either way, it's, it's a story, and I suppose she's capitalising on the fact that she's, she's flavour of the month at the moment. Uh, the Sun's front page is talking about our success with the GB medals. Whoopee! Love the GB medals. Very pleased about the... I said we'd do well. And then also battered Cheryl Cole. Talk about making a mountain out of a molehill. Cheryl, for God's sake, honestly. I mean, even you must realise that nobody's remotely interested in this singer. She flew back into Britain, 
with her arm in a sling. Pal's joke, she had a big smack and fries. Referring to the fact that Will I Am can't drive for toffee. And uh, she it, a car smash. In the car park, ladies and gentlemen. In the car park. It was just... It was something and nothing. It was something and nothing. Poor old Will I Am and Cheryl the blood. I mean, it's almost like she had a blood capsule there, trying to milk it to try and get some publicity for another dreary single. Apparently, I hear... Can't be true, can it? I read it in the paper the other day, so it can't be true. That uh, the reason she's ever at the moment is because ticket sales for her concert tour are slow. That's what, that's what they always politely put it, slow. Slow means they're not moving very fast. Because, as we've pointed out in the past, uh, in fact, especially over the last... In fact, I think only yesterday we mentioned it. She's only had, like, two hit singles. How do you do a concert on the strength of two hit singles? What, she going to be padding it out with Kumbaya? And, uh, you know, she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. She'll be coming round the mountain when she comes. Perhaps she'll do that. Because she can't dance. Very well. She she can do it if it's little tiny birds. You watch the you watch the video of her latest single, and you see the cuts. Count how many times. Count how many seconds before you go. Oh, it's another. That's another shot. Oh, that's another shot. That's another. There'll be about a thousand cuts in it. She doesn't actually need to have to dance. And in fact, based on that, and having seen her on the X Factor, she can't. She certainly can't sing. So I don't know what she's going to be doing. 84850, Steve in, uh, Steve in, Steve at lbc.co.uk. There's somebody else in the paper today. I think I've seen Madeleine McCann. When will we end this, I'm afraid? This is a tourist who said he saw a girl resembling Maddie with a German family. He took a blurry picture of her. And uh, he said the girl was British and didn't seem to fit in with the family. Oh, for God's sake, another loony. Another loony out there. I mean, how on earth would he know, after all these years... What Madeleine McCann looked like. Of course, he doesn't. He doesn't. So he's taken a picture of, of somebody else's child riding on a bus in Ibiza. As if whoever took Madeleine McCann is going to be parading around Ibiza with her. Do me a favour. But, of course, as usual, the police have to investigate this because it's a possible sighting. And so yet more money is wasted. Frankie Boyle's column in The Sun today. Vivi funny. Vivi funny. Uh, talks about Catherine Jenkins. He talks about uh, Russell Brand and uh, uh, TV bosses, he says, are in talks to make Shane warn the movie. He said that's a really bad idea, as no movie with Liz Hurley in it has ever been a success. It is true. She can't act. That's why... And in the paper again today, she must have the best PA going. Kelly Brook. Kelly Brook jets into London to do what? I mean, you know, a remake of the Bible, the Ten Commandments. No, she's appearing on Celebrity Juice. And so she flew in, and, uh, and she, so Keith Lemon will stick her on there, because she, she's a cheap guest. She's a cheap guest. You stick her on there, and that's, and that's it. You know, and she, she can't, she's not really very funny or entertaining, but they, but they put her on there because I think Keith Lemon fancies her. I suppose he'd have to, he used her in the film. But she's been to see some casting agents in America, and apparently I'm told it's really positive, and she makes her first pornographic movie, I think, next week. So that's good news all round, isn't it, for all the fans of Kelly Brook. This is LBC 97P, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Nice to have you company. Welcome along. Friday morning, uh, Jenkins Coach Travel. Because we mentioned yesterday, I found somebody who was a, a follower of Eddie Stobart Lorries. <clears throat> and I said, oh, there's two of us out there then. And, uh, and now we've had people tweeting about, uh, about coaches. We like coaches. I like coaches a lot, actually. So I see no reason why we shouldn't mention Jenkins Coach Travel. They're more exclusive than the Stobart group. Look out for the dark blue coach. So they sent me a picture of it, which is quite, 
It's quite nice, just in case I don't know what a coach looks like. Oh, it's quite nice, actually, isn't it? I could have one of those to bring me into work every day. I could have one of those luxury and pretend I'm a sort of a rock star, which should be good. Uh, Nathan says, watching Celebrity Big Brother really is a struggle. Brian Dowling is just so annoying. He really is terrible. Well, he is one of the worst, worst interviews, worst interview interviewers I've ever seen. He's, uh, he was never very good. None of his programmes rated, but he's cheap. So thank God for that. Uh, Frankie Boyle, I saw him live last year at Hammersmith, put signs up around the venue warning that anyone who gets up to use the loo will be beaten up by the staff. Fantastic. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you only go to see his show because you know what he's like. You know he's going to be offensive. People go hoping they're going to be picked on in exactly the same way that people went to see Dame Edna Everidge because they were hoping to be picked on. Hello, darling. You know, you're late. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from, from Ealing. OK, where are you from, darling? Uh, I'm from next door. Well, they managed to get here on time, darling. You know, and all that kind of thing. Everybody took the mickey. Everybody, and people loved it. They don't, Michael Barrymore, probably a verboten word in show business now, uh, used to march people out of the theatres. It's you, you and you. Out. Out now. Come on, come on, out. And the audience laughed because they would think, oh, I wish that had happened to me. I wish I'd been that person who was being thrown out. And so when you go to see Frankie Boyle, he says, I, I have big man. What's, what's your story? And you always ask them, and they sort of go, I'm planning on being a pilot. And he goes, really? <laughs> you can see, you can feel the contempt in his voice. I love it. I love it. I think it's, uh, it's brilliant. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, oh, good news for Graham Norton. He sold his company. The company that makes his television programme, he sold it for, I think, £10 million. He's made about £5, £6 million profit. Good for him. Good for him. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. I'm also delighted to report that the son of the Muslim hate preacher, the revolting Abu Hamza, has found, been found guilty of an armed raid on a jeweller's. What a charming piece of work he is. His name's Imran Mostafa. He was among a gang-toting, a gun-toting gang who led off a smoke bomb. And uh, he apparently, when he, when he did this, he was teaching the Koran in London at the time of the raid. That's what he said, like, for his teeth, of course. So, uh, prison for you, young man. That'll be an eye-opening experience, I should imagine. Uh, a lot of people don't like Frankie Boyle, but they're... Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Whether you like Frankie Boyle or you don't like Frankie Boyle. If you don't like something, don't watch it. Don't like Frankie Boyle? Don't watch him. You'd have to be a numbskull, wouldn't you? You'd have to be a numbskull. Oh, Jonathan, you worked that one out. Oh, way over that, matey. Way over that. Good God. You could do four times that one. Four times that one, OK? It'll keep you busy. Uh, everybody else talking about Celebrity Big Brother. The trouble is, it is celebrities. Now we've, now, now we've got rid of the numbskulls out of it. We've kicked them all out. Now, um, now you're sort of left with people who you don't really want to be with. You don't really want to be with Julie Goodyear. I'm so glad that we kicked out the, uh, the ghastly page three baggage. Rianne. Uh, no claim to fame at all. No talent. No discernment. Can't even hold a conversation. We've still got Danica in there. You need to kick Danica out tonight. You need to definitely need to, to get her out because she's just not very plain. We can't have somebody plying their trade in the Big Brother house. It's not very good, is it? Where's your dream place to live in this world? Twickenham. I love when people say, where's your dream place? It's where you are, isn't it? It's where are you happiest? Where I am. If, you, if I was miserable, I wouldn't be here. If I'm happy, and that's where I am. It's like saying, you know, I love where I live. I love, I love everything about it. I love the fact that, you know, sometimes the phone will ring and Lynn will phone me up. We go for a coffee or we just, or you go out. I can say hello to 20 people just walking through Twicker. I love it. I love it. Most people, in fact, you remember Gok Wan told us when he moved into his area, 
and I won't tell you where he is in London, he walked up and down the road for a week on both sides saying hello to everybody, every shopkeeper, so they're all aware that Gokwan lives in their neighbourhood. He said, and it works a treat. And I agree with him. I absolutely agree with him. You have to do that. You have to go out and you have to sort of say, hello, hello, talk to people. You don't talk to people. I mean, I, I don't talk to people pushing prams with dirty grey tracksuit bottoms on and Ugg boots in summer. I don't talk to people like that because you know what they are. It's just unfortunate for us that some of the buses terminate in Twickenham and they've wandered in from Feltham and Hounslow. Apologies to little Julie. You know, people wandering from other areas think, oh, let's go and have a look at these shoplifting opportunities in Twickenham. And so they sort of pop in, and you know what they are. You know, the, the chain-smoking mums with the double buggy and they're on the phone at the same time. And you look at them and you think, oh, dear. You know if people come from, from different areas. You know where people come from. You could tell if somebody lives in Richmond or they don't live in Richmond. It's just, you just tell by looking at them. It's like you drive through, I don't know, you drive through London, you go through Chelsea, you go through Mayfair. You could tell who's working there and who lives in the area. It's just, a, you know, a good thing to be. Uh, the BBC was told yesterday to stop paying Diane Abbott... So much for going on a political chat show this week. Um, for eight shows, she was getting about £7,000-odd pounds. And as somebody said here, uh, she normally appears with Michael Portillo. She should only go on at least once or twice a year, and uh, she should tow the party line. Of course, the well-padded Diane Abbott, or as we prefer to call it, fat as a whale, uh, goes on there and spouts a load of old nonsense for a while. And they pay this amount of money. Now, you can't blame her for taking it. If that's what the fee is, then she'd be balmy not to take the money. But uh, she's a little bit... She's, she's another one of these people who, who tries to pretend she's so working class. And yet she's not working class at all. She's trying to line her own pockets as fast as possible, which doesn't go well for me. Johnny Ball has apparently signed up for Strictly Come Dancing. I suppose get it before he dies. Uh, he's, he's 74 Paul Daniels was 72, so Johnny Ball, 74, and they say here that he's the latest star to join the lineup. They say it could include Kimberly Walsh, model Jerry Hall, Fern Britton, Westlife's Nikki Byrne. They're also able to get Victoria Pendleton. Oh, God, we don't need to, to try to hope for her. She's appealed. She's practically thrown herself on your doorstep. You know, she's, I predict she's going to be the world's biggest bore, I'm afraid. Victoria, and here she is, lady, next to Amy Childs. Here she is, Victoria Pendleton. Oh, God. Save us from athletes who think they've got personalities. Uh, other stories in the papers today, which we'll come around to a little bit later on. Apart from talking about how fantastic we're doing at the uh, Olympics, we'll also be talking about the uh, the wettest summer for a hundred years. It has been wet, hasn't it? This weekend's supposed to be quite nice. I quite like the weather for, for this weekend, which we'll tell you about a little bit later on. And it's uh, a birthday today of Stuart in West London. He's 37, same as, uh, same as me. I'm plus VAT, though. At least I'm honest about that bit. And uh, another one here. And uh, my name is Dan. <laughs> and uh, it says, uh, I, I'm part of the production team on Late Night Nixie. What the dickens is that? He says, it is Manchester and uh, it's Gadio in Cheshire. It's a syndicated online. I thought if I could arrange an interview with you. No. There you go. Solves that problem, doesn't it? Solves that problem. He says, I think uh, our audience have been inspired to hear how, how you got where you are. Thank you, Danny. Um, but uh, no, I'm, I'm too old and too long in the tooth for those kind of things. Nobody be remotely interested. I'm not Claire Balding. OK, and by the way, I want it on record in case your young audience are interested. I have not had a relationship with Victoria Beckham or Jerry Halliwell or anybody else. OK, for ages. So solve that problem. So I don't want these rumours starting on the internet. Once they start on the internet, 
You know, it, it, it goes on. Actually, it's funny. One of the papers has said this morning, you'll like this, Danny. It'll appeal to you. It, it says that Jerry Halliwell kept her relationship secret from even the Spice Girls. I thought, yeah, well, she doesn't talk to them. You don't seriously think the Spice Girls phone each other up and go, hi, what are you doing today? They don't talk to each other. They only came together for this thing because it looked quite good. Victoria has no intention of being with them ever again. She looked like she didn't want to be with them that time anyway. So that's so it's it, it's never going to happen, is it? Never, ever going to happen that they're going to, to, to put them all back together again and they're all going to be best buddies. They've all moved on. They've all moved on. They've all got their own friends. I mean, the, the thing that I find difficult, and, it's, and it's, it happens all the time, is when, when people leave LBC, they always say, listen, we must all keep in touch and you must phone and... And it never happens. It, never, it might happen for a little bit, where you phone somebody up. I mean, I always, I always hate it when people move away from the station. People who you've known for ages and ages, people you've worked with, people you've become friends with. And then they move away and they go, not just, you know, just down the road, they go miles away. Or they go abroad. And, um, and I always get a little bit depressed about that. Because <laughs> you really, really want to be in contact with them. You want them to be there at the end of a telephone, or at least to live where you live. So you can catch up and have a drink and, and do things like that. But it never works out. People move away, and you always promise to keep in touch, and it just never happens. So, uh, so that's that's why I feel somewhat sort of somewhat down at times, you know. When you, in fact, actually, I, I, it was highlighted the other day. I was talking to Sam Pittis about Richard Hakia. Richard Hakia, who you know was on LBC for for years and years and years, used to feature on Clive's programme, sang at my show at the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. He's got a fantastic singing voice, and Sam Pittis was telling me that he used to sing. I think he used to sing before football games. For one of the teams, I can't remember who it was, and um, and and once somebody leaves and they move, and I think he was he was doing something with because him, him and Becky got married, as you know, and then they moved up north, and I think he's he's retrained as a gas fitter, which, to be honest with you, takes away all the stress of radio because you know you there's three things you wish you'd done in life as you get a little bit older, you wish you'd either learnt the knowledge, so you could be a black cab driver and go out any time of the day or night and just earn a bit of money. You know, if you want to nip out and earn a quick hundred quid, you go out and drive through London on a... If you really want to put up with all the drunks in the back of your cab, but that's what people do. Or failing that, an electrician or a gas fitter. Somebody who... Or, you know, or a plumber. Something like that. Anything that you can do by yourself. No good being a cake maker. I think that's highly risky business, being a cake maker. But I think think being a a black cab driver... Not a minicab driver, black cab driver. Because the minicabs are governed by the big companies... And I've heard horrendous stories of how little people earn on a job, which, you know, I know what, what the job costs. And then you find out what, what the driver earns. At least if you're driving a black cab, that money that you get in is yours. So if you want to come, you know, if you're sitting at home twiddling your thumbs thinking, oh, I'll go and earn a bit of money tonight. You go out there and you just drive around for a few hours. It's always quite handy, isn't it? You don't have to talk to the people in the back. They just say, we want to go to Twickenham or wherever. And you just drive them there. You get there, you go, that'll be £15.60, gov. And that's it. Everybody goes home happy. We'll tell you what the weather is in a... Uh, well, I'll tell you now, actually. I'll tell you the weather now, quickly. Mainly dry day with sunny spells, feeling pleasantly warm with light winds, cloud increasing from the west throughout the afternoon, the high 18 centigrade. Currently, it's 15. No, I thought it was colder than that. I thought it was... When I came, when I came outside this morning, admittedly, I'm wearing a wholly inappropriate shirt. I mean, it's just, just not a shirt for all seasons. But it doesn't matter, because on me, it looks good. I'm a bit of a fashion icon. A lot of people look up to me for their fashion hints. Mainly the terminally bewildered, I've read. People sort of say, what do you wear? But mind you, I think it beats checks. I think checks are so sort of, so 60s and 70s. You know, you need to bring yourself up to date and wear something that says, I am here. 
and uh, I've got a programme on LBC 97.3. That's what it. That's what it says. It also says I should have brought a jacket and covered it up because it's a little bit too, a bit too in your face, I'm afraid. But it is a bit chilly out there. Cloud will increase throughout the evening. Little rain overnight, and then tomorrow bright afternoon with sunny spells. So that's good news for the weekend. Sunday, cloudy with light rain, but light rain doesn't bother me. I don't mind a little bit of light rain. It's LBC 97.3, Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's 4.30. With Steve Allen. Morning, 84850, steve at uk. Um... I'll tell you what uh, Nick Ferrari is doing a little bit later on this morning, and I'll tell you what uh, Susan Book- I only said Susan Boyle is doing this morning. I thought what an interesting prospect that would be. Susan Boyle doing the morning news on LBC. That would be a signing, wouldn't it? Susan Bookbinder it is. And uh, I'll also run through in the Paralympics exactly what is going to be uh, going on for today. I think that Susan's going to be talking about these universities. This is the Metropolitan University stripped of its right to admit foreigners because there have been in the past, as you will remember, countless times, uh, these fake universities. People arrive in the country, go, I'm going to that, that university there. And the, uh, and the border control go, no, it's a fake university. You haven't been to that at all. You're working in a restaurant, aren't you? No, no I'm going to that university. What are you studying? Um, uh, business studies. OK, who's your, who's your tutor? Of course, they don't know because it's fake. And what these colleges do in these universities is they take the money off the people. 90% of them don't even bother going in. Because they're here working illegally. You'll find loads of them. So uh, that's what they'll be talking about this morning. And uh, they'll probably talk to the tutors, the lecturers and the, pre- and the professors as well about the, uh, the action to close it down. 2,000 people. Makes you wonder how many will go home or how many will actually be hanging around working in the country. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, steve, she spends most of her time, this is Kelly Brook, sunbathing. She must have been well paid for her film to be able to keep flying the world to appear on red carpets. Well, she doesn't appear in, in America. Nobody knows who she is in America. She's not known. Kelly Brook is only known here and only known when she's promoting something, which is almost on a daily basis, I'm afraid. Almost on a daily basis. And she has become the bore in the newspapers again. She's become the... She looks glamorous, but for God's sake, keep your mouth shut. She was, she was the one who, you remember, they had to censor on breakfast television the other week because she, uh, she used a rude word, I'm afraid. But uh, that's, that's probably what she's like all the time. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Try and uh, weave in as many things as we can this morning. Uh, Bob says, a little unfair on Miss Pendleton. She spent 30 years, most of it without fame and funding, to give us the pleasure of seeing her win and win and win. Now she says she has no skills, so let her go on the celeb circuit. No, I'm not going to support her, Bob. I'm really not. I'm so bored with these non-entities. I'm so board. Listen, she might be a good athlete. I'm, 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 not, I'm not worried about that. that. That side of it is fine. It's just when they start invading and start thinking they've got personalities. It's like Lauren Goodyear from The Only Way is Essex. We said on the free podcast yesterday that uh, here she is and she has, oh, I think I'd like to get into presenting. Like she's got any talent for getting into presenting. I'd love to see people come in and do a radio pro- a programme on LBC. It's amazing how many people fall at the first fence. They go, right, you've got a programme here, and it's going to run for uh, two and a half hours, and they go, and um, what are you going to talk about? Well, you know, that's, that's, you have to make that up for yourself. You have to learn to do something by yourself. You have to learn to be grown up. Uh, oh, right. And some people can't do it, and they struggle. They struggle. 84850. Bob says, your shirt looks fine on the global CCTV feed. Is there a global CC? There is no global CCTV feed. Is there? That worries me as well. I don't know. There isn't a CCTV feed at all. No, I didn't think so, actually, Bob. Honestly. But you, but you can... I mean, I, I should probably Twitter it. I should probably Twitter the shirt for this morning. I'm not sure if I should... I'm second thoughts. Maybe I won't. 
It is a particularly vile shirt. <laughs> I only put it on, actually, because when a friend of mine went abroad and she said, what do you want me to bring? I forget, where does she go now? She went to somewhere where they obviously do shirts like this. Could have been Hawaii or something. And she said, what do you want me to bring you back? And I said, can you bring me back a Hawaiian shirt? And so she brings back this Hawaiian shirt. And I like it. I like it. In fact, I like Hawaiian shirts, full stop. But I've only got this one. It looks a bit sad in the wardrobe, but it does stand out. And she said to me the other night on the phone, she said, have you still got that shirt? I said, of course I. What do you think I'll do? Throw them away. I said, admittedly, after a while, shirts don't don't go as well as you were hoping that they will. But this one, I put it, because it's it's quite cheery. And also, I've got loads of shirts in the the ironing place at the moment being ironed, so I'll pick those all up for today. Because I was going through all my stuff, you know, and you know when you look at a shirt, you go, no, I don't want to wear that today. No, I don't want to wear that. No, I'm not bothered about that one. <laughs> I love it. It's Friday morning. If you have just joined us, it's Steve Allen's uh, Steve Allen's early breakfast show on LBC ninety seven point three. Very nice to have your company. I trust you're enjoying the Paralympics. We enjoyed the opening ceremony. William and Kate are there as well, and uh, they they're still happy, aren't they? They seem such a nice couple. I like them a lot, actually. Harry's still conspicuous uh, conspicuous by his absence. The funeral took place yesterday of Winnie Johnson. Went to her grave, having fought and failed to give 12-year-old Keith Bennett a dignified funeral. And so they put a picture of him in the coffin with her. And at last, at last, as Duncan was uh, talking about this morning, the law giving police a duty to arrest squatters. Fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, I'm, I mean, it, if people choose not to look after their property, then they deserve to have squatters moving in. For example, some of the mansions that were up and down Park Lane that were occupied by... They aren't working-class people. They're generally very middle-class. Except, like, OK, yeah, they're a bit like that. They just wander around. Hippies, hippie-type people. But they come from really well-heeled families, most of them. Really well-heeled families. But it's, it's these squatters that move in, like that poor lady who came back. And she'd been out shopping. She came back to discover that a gang of Romanian squatters had moved in. They'd thrown her stuff out the window. They, she stood there outside saying, you're in my house. And they laughed at her. They laughed at her. I'd have taken a tank. I'd have taken a tank in and flattened the whole lot and gone, oh, sorry about that. What a shame. I put the thing in the wrong gear. Never mind. And they threw all her stuff out, all her private possessions, they threw out the windows. They trashed her house. These people needed stringing up, I'm afraid. So at last, the law finally giving police a duty to arrest them. None of this, you know, six months faffing around in the blooming court system to try and work out whether or not they really had the right to entry and whether they... They always force entry. Of course they do. Blimey, if you can't go out nowadays and leave a small window on the latch, as far as I'm concerned, the moment somebody steps onto my property, they're fair game. Fair game. I think they have to... uh, I think they have to pay the consequences, which is very good indeed. And uh, beware if your other half is called John or Sarah... They're the most likely names of someone looking online for an affair. John, isn't it funny? I've got cousin John and Sarah. I don't think they're online looking for uh, for an affair. They've been together for years and years now. Lindsay Lohan. This is the woman who, who disappeared out of a hotel the other day, Chateau uh, Marmont. And this is the one in Los Angeles, which is like the rock star place. And she left a £30,000 bill. She's quite revolting, isn't she, Lindsay Lohan? No redeeming qualities whatsoever, I'm afraid. Pay your money. Or you go to prison. Stupid woman. Stupid, stupid woman. And, of course, today is the anniversary of Princess Diana's death. And I wonder whether or not her influence is still felt around the world. And the answer is, yes, it is. Yes, it is. People still talk about Diana. On the, uh, 15 years on. Can you believe it? 15 years. I remember 
Tim Crook on LBC broke the news of the accident. And as the, as the night unfolded, the morning unfolded, and then came the, the harsh reality that the Princess of Wales, the unthinkable had happened, she was dead. Dead. Nobody could believe it. Nobody could believe it. I've repeated the story many, many times. I was out on the town. This was on a, on a Saturday night. And we'd been out and went to pick up the papers in Earl's Court, which we did every week. Picked up a complete set of papers. Get there, and there's only one paper there. And, of course, I, I find it mildly infuriating. One of, you know, one of the infuriating things when you just want to pick up the papers, go home and go through them, because I used to cut the papers on a Sunday morning and then use them on the programme during the week. And so we said to the guy in the shop, he said, I'm sorry about that. He said, uh, there must be something that's happened. So we turned on the radio. We didn't... I don't, but we turned on the radio, just a matter of course, on the way home, listening to Tim Crook. And that's when we started hearing uh, about the, the crash in Paris. And that's when the whole thing unfolded before our eyes. So by the time we actually got to the... Uh, got to going home, and then I turned on the television, it's, you know, it was... Uh, just unbelievable. I sat there, and I was on the phone to a friend of mine. I said, are you watching the television? And he went, yeah. I said, I can't believe that. I said, do you think it's serious? Do you think it's, do you think it's serious? I went, I don't know. And then, of course, it was announced, you know, that uh, Princess Diana had been killed. And then Tony Blair came out and then everybody else came out. And then the whole country went into a meltdown, an absolute meltdown. I've never seen such meltdown for anybody in the royal family who's died. Nothing, nothing ever prepared anybody for that. They, 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 they weren't prepared for actually sorting out. She was in a Paris hospital. They had to go back and get her body. Uh, Charles went there, and then I believe it was Paul Burrell who went out and took her clothes out, and they dressed her, brought her back. And uh, and it, it, the whole thing was just like a blur. And then there were people sobbing on the radio. I remember LBC, I mean, every single phone-in programme that we had at the time was talking to people, it's a conspiracy, she's been murdered, and it's, it's MI5 or MI6... Nobody ever believed you could actually have an accident. It was then they showed that clip of her coming through the hotel. She looked fine. And then it's because of the people she was hanging around with. And so the whole thing built up. And it's 15 years to the day, 15 years to that day that we all spoke about it. I remember we got the order of service in because the funeral service for Diana was the Queen Mother's. That was the Queen Mother's service because they, they hadn't got anything else organised because they weren't expecting the Queen Mother to go for so long. So the service that was already planned and the, uh, and the movements of all the troops and everything else was the Queen Mum's. They just adapted it and it became Diana. So the, but that, that would have been the Queen Mother's service. So they just put that into practice. And, uh, and it, it was interesting to watch. Frankie Boyle, didn't he make some comment about the Queen crying? Not since uh, Diana 15 years ago. And even then, she didn't cry at Diana. In fact, the whole country went into meltdown over the royal family because they stoically put up the shutters and didn't do anything. Because they don't acknowledge things like that. They don't draw attention to it. It was bad enough, the fact that she'd come into the family, because they hated her. They systematically hated her. Prince Charles, I think, thought he was going to marry her, all the time having the affair with Camilla. But then he got married to Diana, because Camilla was married to Andrew Parker Bowles. Yeah, the man who laid down his wife for the, for the, for the future king. And so the, the Queen put up the shutters and refused to come down. And then it took the... Uh, it really took the country to push and say, listen, you better come down here now. 
this thing's blowing up out of all proportion. And when you saw the film called The Queen, it highlights exactly what went on. She wouldn't have come down had it not been for the pressure put on her by the country. People going on television programmes saying, listen, we know you're on holiday, but uh, Diana's died and she was very popular. People liked her. Oh, there was a few ninnies who didn't like her. Who cares? Nobody worries about that minority of people. 90% of the people. That's why there were 30 million quids worth of flowers outside Kensington Palace. 30 million pounds worth of flowers. Can't even imagine it, can you? And so they then forced the Queen to come back down again. The first time the country's actually been united. The, and the papers, exactly the same thing. You better get down here fast, ma'am. OK, you're running the country. You better start lowering the... They didn't even put the flag down at half-mast. They had to be told what to do. And she then came down. But by that time, I think she'd lost a lot of fans in the country. She's gained them back since. But it's been a slow process. Very interesting times. Very interesting. Especially on the radio, very interesting times. Very, very interesting. I found it fascinating that the amount of people who who really thought that uh, that it, it was a conspiracy theory. People still today say it's a conspiracy theory. To host a talk show on the radio, Steve, is one of the hardest things to do. Hats off to everybody at LBC. Well, I think you, you prove... I mean, I've, it makes me laugh that people, you know, listen... Every single day. You can't believe that people listen every single day, but they do. People listen every single day to the programme and, and then, then they write in to all the presenters. And uh, sometimes they're, they're very sad trolls and sometimes they're sort of reasonably normal people and sometimes they're absolutely wonderful. But uh, it's, it's, it's so funny to read some of them when you look at them and you think, God, you really must get alive. I said yesterday, I, must get, I was, I was uh, talking about uh, Eddie Stobart and looking at lorries, and I said, you know, I really must get a life. <laughs> no point in looking at lorries outside. But uh, still very entertaining. So, coming up today for the uh, Paralympics, it's a, it's a full day. Full day. The day ahead. Uh, Eleven golds are up for grabs today, including four in the morning session from 10am. You've got the athletics, the women's 100 metres. Uh, the semi-final at 12.30, the final at 8 o'clock tonight. That's at the Olympic Stadium. Plus the men's discus. Uh, 1,900 hours, that is. And Derek, uh, Derenan, is it, uh, Derenagali, who almost died while serving in Afghanistan. The double amputee now competes for Tar- Paralympics GB. Cycling at the Velodrome. Judo at the Excel. This is Mark and Dan Powell fighting in separate judo categories. Uh, the sitting volleyball at the Excel. The rowing at Eton Dornay. I'm so pleased I now know where Eaton Dornay is. Uh, football five-a-side on the Riverbank Arena. Uh, goal ball, copper box, that's the women's group A, Finland versus Great Britain. And then the men's group B, which is Great Britain versus Turkey. The wheelchair basketball at the basketball arena. And then the swimming, archery, shooting, table tennis and powerlifting. It's a busy day. This is LBC Nadeve Allen. Morning, 84850, uk. Uh, one here says there's no Twitter CCTV CCTV feed as far as... Well, of course there isn't. Don't be so stupid. Of course there isn't. Why would there be a Twitter CCTV feed? And uh, you may be surprised to know, I don't think so, the people who run security systems can look in on the live footage because the customer doesn't run the... Pro- not around here they can't because we don't have a feed. <laughs> and says, why could you not believe Diana died? Because you just don't believe people die. Tragically, people die in auto accidents every day. They travel in cars. I found the sea of flowers, says Patricia, an outpouring of grief ridiculous. Well, it'll be the same when you go, I should imagine. Nobody will bother about it. You know, it's, it, if you don't like that kind of thing, you don't. It's a very sad life that you're obviously having. You know, where you, where you sort of say, I find that ridiculous, an outpouring of grief. Dear me. I mean, that's very sad, isn't it? You must, you must be this, this hardened old bag 
who's there, you know, with a fag and a, and a whiskey and one egg. Oh, I couldn't care less about her. It's good. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, the Queen was looking after Diana's boys as she would have wanted, said Philip. No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. It was a silly. No, she wasn't. She was just sort of sitting up there, twiddling her thumbs, staring out the window. And luckily, we got her back to London. And, uh, and she came back, and everybody... Do you remember when the car drove in? Oh, it was nearly booing. It was nearly booing. Uh, Jasmine Leonard, good God, she's still going. I can't believe it. Has launched a foul mouth attack on Kerry Katona. On Twitter, nobody cares about it. Jasmine Leonard is the one who's not all there in the upstairs department. The model began insulting the former Atomic Kitten singer. She was never singing with Atomic Kitten. Can we put this one to rest? She cannot sing. She'd left Atomic Kitten long before they started having hits. Uh, but apparently, this was in response to uh, a column in OK Magazine where Kerry Coke Toner said Leonard needed psychological help. <laughs> Leonard branded Katona vile and used the hashtag peasant in a long series of messages mocking her past drug battles, struggles with her weight and previous failed relationships. She says, I think you need to start using contraception. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love it when two failed old has-beens write about each other. It's hilarious. She says, the model then... Cl- model. Nobody's ever asked Jasmine Leonard to model for about 300 years. And she says here, she's the last person, referring to Kerry Katona, I would take advice on parenting or mental well-being. Oh, yes, I mean, we all know how revolting Kerry Katona is. In fact, they're both as vile as each other. Kerry Katona's now parading a new man, I see, on, uh, on through the papers. It's another way of making a little bit of money, because she's run out of things to do. There's no more reality shows. Nobody's interested. Couple of appearances on This Morning. You know, 150 quid here. 150 quid. About 100, I think it is, on This Morning. Not so good. And Martin Kemp has criticised, because we like Martin Kemp, because he's, one, he's, he's what they call uh, an honest, good person. He's criticised Danica... Danica Thrall, what he described as bed-hopping. Well, she's using it to, to garner customers, I suspect. He took issue with some of Julie Goodyear's behaviour. He says if she's not bed-hopping, she's teasing those boys up to the point they think they can go in for a kiss. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. But, I mean, she's just doing what she does in the outside world. She's, uh, she's using it. Colleen Nolan, fraught day. She talked to the, uh, the diary room to vent her frustrations over two-faced Julie. I find it hilarious, these people that we don't like on the television are actually in there, <laughs> sort of slagging each other off. Which is very good, isn't it? I love it. I love it. It doesn't get any better. does not get any better. But nobody's watching the Big Brother house. It's doing OK, but it's not doing, not doing fantastically, I'm afraid. Uh, read Diane Abbott. She never came over very well on this week. Never worth the money she got paid. Much preferred Alan Johnson and Alistair Campbell. And Joe says, thank goodness it's Friday. Yes, we love Friday. I love Friday. Such a busy weekend. Such a busy, busy weekend. We're going, driving around London tomorrow. Because remember, we had the charity auction for Help a London Child. And somebody bid for me to drive them around for an hour in the car. So I should be coming into town tomorrow, pick them up, and we're going to go. I think it's a lady who's, um, I can't say who it is. Because she doesn't know she's doing it. So it's a surprise. So that's all I'll tell you. She doesn't know she's doing it. <laughs> Not sure I know I'm doing it as well. Uh, on the subject of, uh, of the lottery... Uh, in sunny Manchester, we had the guy who tried to treat, cheat Mr and Mrs Holt out of their million-pound lottery win. This is Farrakh Nazir. This is the man who is an illegal immigrant working in his cousin's shop. So his cousin is equally guilty by employing somebody he knows shouldn't be here. He's an overstayer by a couple of years. And uh, when he's out of prison, because he's a bit stupid, we're sending him back where he came from. Uh, Camelot have finally got off their backsides. And over the next couple of weeks, all... The National Lottery Terminals will be updated, so in future, as you go to claim a winning ticket, a short win 
sound will come from the machine. Furthermore, Camelot have urged all players to sign their names on the back of tickets to prevent fraud. Obviously, the machine won't be screaming, hey, you've won a million, but it will go a long way towards anything like this happening in the future. Uh, on the subject of Frankie and all the new upset, when I worked in Blackpool, I did see Mr Barrymore on several occasions chucking out, picking on and insulting the audience. And, of course, Bernard Manning's whole act was based on it. The key word being act, as Chubby Brown says, if you're easily offended, stay away, because as with Frankie Boyle, you know what you're in for. But, yeah, but people love to be offended. People love to be offended because they're stupid. They love to be offended. They go to something. I was, who was I talking to a while ago? Years and years ago, I remember going to the Richmond Theatre to see Hair, the musical. Now, as everybody knows, unless you've been living on a planet in cloud cuckoo land or you're stoned out of your mind, Hair, at one point, has a nude scene where they all disappear under a sheet, take their clothes off, the sheet comes off, and they're all standing there stark naked. A couple in front of us get up and walk out! In protest, you felt like saying, oh, sit down, you silly little buffoons. You know, it's like the, the three and a half thousand people who complained about, you know, Prince Harry's bum being shown on a newspaper. You wait till a video comes out. You're going to be apoplectic on that one. But, of course, people want to be outraged. People like to be... It's disgusting. And yet you start investigating their own lives and you suddenly realise they've got a lot to hide, a lot to cover up. Which is what I find marginally entertaining, I'm afraid. I love it. That's why, you know, we, we, we like to dispel all the myths about things that are going on in the world. And when we sort of tell you stuff, we can then say, no, that's not true. This is just stupid. Frankie Boyle, it, you know, front page of the... We've seen it before. After the Jordan stuff. Do you remember the Jordan stuff where he was telling jokes about her and Harvey? And Alex Reed, which I can't repeat on the programme because it is offensive. But if you go to a Frankie Boyle show, he'll probably repeat it for you there. And people say, that's it. He'll never work again. His column is still going very well in the sun. Ironically, Jordan apparently has a little column in the sun on Sunday. Who writes it? I've got no idea. Can't be her because she's totally illiterate as far as I know. She certainly can't write books. So why should better write a column? I don't know. I think somebody writes it for her and says, we're going to write this. Do you want anything about the children in this week? As you're exploiting them still. And, uh, and she was sort of saying it's disgusting. And they said, so Frankie Boyle is being paid by the same organisation that's paying Jordan. So quite clearly, nobody takes a blind bit of notice of her at all. Uh, there's also the story in the paper today of the unluckiest man. This is the, the flood victim, Ken O'Hara, who mops out his hotel. This is the man who had a hotel and then his house washed away in the floods. It just, it just disappeared. And uh, Ken's 57, his partner, Belinda... They come from Egremont in Cumbria. They've been staying in this place where their home nearby collapsed into the River Ian on Tuesday. He said, we were trying to sort our lives out after what happened with the other property. We've got so much to do. Now it's just washed away. You couldn't be that unlucky, could you? You could not be that unlucky. You really couldn't be. But he is. He was that unlucky, poor soul. Honestly, I feel dreadfully sorry for them. But at the same time, you kind of, you kind of laugh and think, well, thank God it never happened to me. Pictures of Michael Jackson's children, because he would be 54 today. 54, Michael Jackson would have been. And I suppose he would have been getting ready for that. Would he have done the tour by now? It was certainly, certainly uh, looked as though it was shaping up to be a, a pretty good tour. The, the kind of thing I'm glad that, uh, that I, I bought the DVD so at least I could see what the thing was going to look like because it looked really good. And it would have been. That's why when you look at Michael Jackson, a performer, and you look at Cheryl Cole, a self created numbskull, you know, who's seen the inside of a courtroom. 
you, you, you think to yourself, it's just people trying to make money, isn't it? The agents make the money out of them. Uh, I don't know if the tickets for Cheryl Cole's shows are selling or if they're not, or if they'll have to cancel things. You know, it's, it's, it's just the way it works, isn't it? People want to go and see it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay you threepence to go and see Cheryl Cole. You know it's going to be a lot of dancers padding out a particularly weak show with a woman who can't sing. So for that read, you know, why don't you just stay at home and buy a DVD? Uh, 84850. And uh, Naomi says, you nearly called Kerry Coke Toner. Kerry Coke Toner. I did call her Kerry Coke Toner. I called her that intent. I've always called her Kerry Coke Toner. I call her that intentionally because of Kerry's uh, love in the past life of the Colombian marching powder. Yes. I mean, heaven's above. Everybody knows about it. It's well documented. She talks about it as well. Do you remember when she sat down with her daughter and played her the bits of her talking about doing cocaine? And her daughter, I think, was 12. And she's explaining why Mummy was such a failure and a dismal, useless lump. Dreadful. Uh, one here says, uh, be, careful not to be, uh, be careful not to be too quick to dismiss conspiracy theories about Diana. And uh, one particular radio presenter went on air and said he had no doubt that Diana was murdered. Within two days, he died in a car crash. He had a heart attack. Don't be so stupid, Frank, honestly. Honestly, get some dumb people out, don't you? No, he had a heart attack at the wheel. And uh, I find you offensive, I'm afraid. Jay says, I wanted to thank the London Paralympic team organisers as they've inspired my disabled son. He's got SMA type 2. He watches it on television. He's 10. And it's made him feel like he can achieve something. Glad to see the Paralympics has been given so much coverage. Me too. Me too. We worried. Don't you remember? A few weeks ago, we worried about the fact that it was going to disappear. And I thought, they're not going to cover it, are they? They're not going to cover it. It's going to be on Channel 4. It's going to disappear on Channel 4. And lo and behold, what's happening? Admittedly, I've only seen a little bit of the coverage of Claire Balding. The studio looks awful. It's a really cheap, tacky little set. And it's, it's Claire Balding and this bloke. Who's, all, who's in a wheelchair, who popped up on... He's popped up on television all over the years. He's not a great presenter, but I think they put him on there because he's in a wheelchair and he's in more of a state to comment on, on the Paralympics. But the coverage in the papers is fantastic. Mainly because it's also silly season and there's nothing going on and they're looking for something and this is such a great story. It's such a success story, so that's why we have to talk about it all the time. And we, we cover it extensively on LBC with John Cushing, who's our Paralympic commentator. And uh, he'll have all the information a little bit later on for you. I'll give you the rundown as well, very shortly, on what Nick Ferrari is talking about today and uh, what Susan Bookbind is doing after the news at 6.30. 84850, steve at and you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. It's always very entertaining. News is next with Sam. On Steve Allen. Morning. Just making myself a little drink and cough during the news. I mean, I'll try, and then all of a sudden try and suppress a cough. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, it's the worst thing you can ever do. Cough in a, in a, in a bulletin. There's not really a lot you can do about it, I'm afraid. Um, I keep getting a letter from someone. I don't know why she keeps writing to me. But uh, she, she's quite clearly not all there. Names, um, well, just, we won't, won't, won't give her a name. But she keeps saying, stop having a go at Princess Margaret. She made endless tours. And so she's listed all her tours. 1949, Italy, Switzerland and France. 54, Germany, then the West Indies, then Sweden, and then Denmark, Uganda, the Netherlands, America, Hong Kong. Yes, for Princess Margaret, life was one long holiday, ladies and gentlemen. She never actually did anything of any use whatsoever. She just spent her time going on tours and wasting everybody's time. She was never going to be queen. She enjoyed the freebies. She enjoyed kicking up her heels, and she behaved badly. That's exactly what she did. She had parties. She had her relationships with people 
which were, I'm sure, frowned upon by the Queen, but as it was her sister, there wasn't really a lot she could do about it. No, an embarrassment, I'm afraid, to the royal family. I mean, she was known for having those sort of drunken parties. She had drunken um, parties in Mustique. She had them all over the place, I'm afraid. I'm sure she was very entertaining, but I did speak to somebody once who went to a party at her house and said it was the most boring thing ever, and said um, that, you, unfortunately, with the royal family, you can't leave until they've gone to bed. So if she was in one of her drinking moods, she sat there all night, and uh, you had just, just had to put up with it. It wasn't much fun, I suppose, for anybody else. But that's how the royal family worked, I suppose, in the early days. It would have been even more exciting. I'd love to have met... Wouldn't you have loved to have met Henry VIII? Wouldn't you have just loved to have met Henry VIII and just, uh, just sort of had a chat to him? And just, just, I'd love to have... You know, just if you could drop back in history. Never ever possible, of course. You can't go back to something that's already gone and long since flattened. But it would be lovely to go back there and find out exactly what life was really like under Henry VIII, what, what the court life was like, what everything was like. I would have loved stuff like that. That would, that would really, really get me going, I think. Imagine, in conversation this week, Henry VIII. It's not going to happen. It's Arlene Phillips this week. And now Arlene Phillips, you'll probably have read in a lot of the uh, papers, you know who she is because she's been on the programme before, and she's talking about dementia. Her father died of dementia, so we're talking about that. <coughs> but in a way, not that it's, uh, not that it's uh, you know, something that's going to depress you, but it might highlight the case that you might have somebody in your family who is suffering from dementia and you don't know that they've got dementia. It's, it is the case, very sadly. I have a, a friend of mine, and uh, one of his relatives is is in the early stages of dementia. And it's difficult because they don't know what they've done. And they're also very much geared to... It's, it's a bit like being on drugs. There is no cure for dementia. They don't even know how it affects people. They don't know whether or not we've all got it. A bit like cancer, I suppose. Is it something that triggers it off? It's this forgetfulness. And if you say to somebody, oh, look, that, that's a nice red phone, they'll go, it's black. And you go, no, it's red. And they'll go, it's black. And they will firmly believe it's black. There was a bloke driving down the motorway the other week the wrong way. He thought he was driving the right way because he had dementia. And he didn't know he had dementia. And people have to, people have to be helped through it. It's, it's, it's quite distressing for a lot of people to see somebody that they love falling apart before their eyes. But they don't know. They don't know they're falling apart. They don't, know, they don't sometimes know anything at all. They don't know if they've eaten things. They also have a fear of being poisoned. So sometimes it can lead to people not eating and uh, cutting back. So we'll, we'll have all the, hopefully, the answers. Not every answer, but she will explain to you how it happened with her dad and how frustrating it became and how, how stressful it becomes. And there's many of you listening at the moment who are probably saying exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. So that'll be with uh, Arlene Phillips on Sunday for In Conversation. And we have coaxed back into the building... The fabulous Barry Cryer. You won't, ha- you won't hear anybody say a bad word about Mr Showbiz. Barry Cryer is a legend in the business. He is absolutely a legend. He is absolutely wonderful at the age of 70-something. <coughs> and uh, he came in yesterday and we had, a, we had a good old chat. He's lovely. He's so lovely. He really is. And, of course, he's a, he's a water rat, so that's OK. Uh, I well remember, says Paul, the night, the morning of the crash. A friend of mine, who you also know... Andy was doing overnights on the GWR network, which was, of course, global, uh, we have. And a friend of mine, he said, I used to go on air with him for my shop in Derby to review the front pages. And we were actually chatting, waiting to record my bit. But with the papers being late, couldn't. When the news came through via the LBC studio 
as you did the news for all of us in ILR. There was nothing anybody could say. All the papers were late. And I had to send my 30 paper boys home until lunchtime. Nobody could believe it. It was terrible times. It, I mean, it, 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 it was so... Isn't it funny you remember certain things? I remember things at LBC over the years. I remember the night Marvin Gaye died. I can remember reading the news that Marvin Gaye had been killed by his father. I remember reading it. And, and after a while, people, people used to say to me, when you read the news for the whole country, did you ever sort of get a pang of excitement? I said, no, you didn't, because you, you didn't realise the enormity of anything. You just read it out. Unfortunately, death was a, was a commonplace thing. But if it was a celebrity... And because it was Diana and because LBC broke the news first, because we had access, nobody else, all, all the television programmes were recorded. To actually get somebody into the ITN studio, they had to wake up all the crew and get them all in. They had to come in early. But of course, LBC, because it was live, was able to do something like that. That's the advantage of having a 24-hour news station where you can talk about things. And so it was. It, it was a night that changed everybody's life. I remember sitting there. I remember sitting there as well for the funeral service. I had uh, a friend of mine round, and we sat there with cups of tea and coffee, watching the funeral service, but running through it, because we had the service in front of us. And we, we were following it through. And then it came to her brother's speech. And I remember distinctly having had Elton John playing Goodbye England's Rose, which I thought was, was very good. He, he, did a, he did a sterling job. Everybody did a good job. I think all people kept thinking was, it can't be happening. Princess Diana, it's almost like she was, she was helped by God. She became so popular so quickly, such a short space of time. Whether you liked everything she did and whether you, you didn't like anything, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's still another human being. You still have to respect somebody's life and death. And so when they brought her coffin in, and of course they, they took it all through London, I mean, the crowds, the cr- I remember, and the flowers, when the coffin was being taken out to Althrop, I remember the flowers. They had to stop at the beginning of the M1 to take the flowers off the car. They couldn't see. They couldn't see on the hearse. Amazing. He says, uh, Andy will no doubt be listening to you at the moment. Even after all these years, we still stay in touch. So hello, Andy. And by the way, yes, I know. Yes, I had a, I had a, a text message. Not a text, an email. What am I talking about? A text message. Uh, no, it's an email. Uh, I had a number, actually, this, uh, this week. One yesterday from Jane. Is staying four nights in Island Harbour because it's been windy and rainy on the Solent. I love that. And, uh, and Paul... Is back with us again. Within the fold, we lost him briefly. He wandered away, but we've got him back. He says, uh, I'm not with the other company. He was with another company before. He says, and when I moved back to Kent after three years in Didcot, I work for another company now. And uh, we're going to sort uh, sort something out. So that's good, isn't it? So there you go. So uh, welcome back to the podcasts. I think so, too. Disgraceful. Disgraceful it is. <laughs> because you can... We have a free podcast every day on this programme. And uh, that's the one that goes up before seven o'clock, <clears throat> which is about 15, 20 minutes. And then we have the other bit of the podcast, which goes up a little bit later on. And that you subscribe to. And it's from as little as two pounds a month. You download everything. You download everything on LBC, not just this program. If it was just this program, it would still be marvellous value for money from as little as two pounds a month. But you can download everything. So uh, why not do that? In fact, if you join up today, start downloading. And whenever you go away on holiday, you'll have something to listen to that might put a smile on your face or at least get you angry. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at Richard says, let Kelly Brook and go have their little piece of the limelight. She's taken more than a little piece of the limelight. It's every day now. It's become boring. He says, they're not doing any harm, and soon they will disappear. I do sometimes wish they would shut up, though. Kelly is from Rochester, as I am, so we'll always look at her career more than others. <laughs> uh, Steve, do you think Charles can take some of the blame for her death? No, nothing at all. Of course not. He wasn't even in Paris. Why would he take blame for it? 
I think she was, I firmly believe in my heart that she was desperately unhappy. She was in a, a marriage that had that finished because she'd realised that there were three of them in it. There was her, him and Camilla. And that's what I think she couldn't really take to. It, that was the problem. Also, the royal family closed ranks. And if you're an outsider and you go into the royal family, it's, it can be a pretty lonely place. Pretty lonely place because they don't do it like we do it. You know, if, if, if you've got a problem, you know, with your mum or something, you go, you, you go round and see and you go, Mum, well, you can't do that in the royal family. Diana couldn't simply turn up at Buckingham Palace and have a chat to the Queen. Her secretary would have to phone the Queen's secretary to see when there was a vacancy and when they could fit her in. They just, they just don't have that sort of relationship. You know, from an early age, they pack the kids off to school. So really, you know, the, the Queen probably only in later years has got to know Charles and, and the other sons. We didn't know them before that because they were at school. All went to Gordonston, didn't they, I think. And, um, and, I, and that's how it works. And I think Diana was terribly lonely. I think she was terribly upset about the way things had happened. And she felt isolated. She didn't have... Let's face it, if the only person you can confide in is Sarah Ferguson, you're doomed from the start, aren't you? So she didn't have anything. So she sought solace with anybody who, who liked her. And, of course, a lot of people did like her. The public loved her. They, and I think that's what, that's what screwed up the royal family. I think that's what annoyed them, because they didn't have things like that. Whereas the Duke of Edinburgh, quite happily, walks behind the Queen, because that's his role. He would never walk in front of the Queen. He would always be behind the Queen. She would walk on ahead, and that's how they do it. In the case of Charles and Diana, she became more popular than him. Everywhere they went, people didn't want to see him. They wanted to see her. And so she was the one going out there, and he was the one walking on behind. And I should imagine, after a while... It must have rankled a little bit, don't you think so? 84850, steve at uk. It was the biggest funeral we'll ever see in this case. You won't see anything else. We didn't see anything like it for uh, for the Queen Mother. Didn't see anything like it for Princess Margaret. Very low-key affairs. I suppose the next time we'll see a big funeral like that would be would be the Queen. I can't think of anything else. We don't have any statesmen at the moment who are going to warrant big funerals. You know, Prime Minister died today, or Tony Blair died, or somebody. That's not going to warrant that. Not going to warrant anything like that at all. So that's why you'll never see anything like it. And that's why, after the end of her brother's speech, and you heard this clapping, and it spread. It spread throughout the whole of London. The whole of London applauded him, because they knew exactly what he meant. And the royal family sat there, stoically looking straight ahead. News headlines with Sam Pittis. US Republican presidential conversation with Steve Allen. 18 minutes past five. You're going on holiday. We spent ages yesterday trying to... Uh, I've booked my seat number coming back from Vegas. I haven't booked it going out, but I've booked it coming back. Which I find rather strong. I'm not going for another month. But I've booked it co- coming back. We've got the seat numbers, which is good. I like that. I tell you, I like all these things about flight. The only thing I hate about the flying is getting to the airport. It's packing. I'm going to have to go out and buy T-shirts and stuff. like. I'm, really, I'm going to pack light this time around. I mean, I'm really going to pack light. There's no point... Need to go out today and buy a pair of jeans. It's Friday, and I'm getting really excited about Friday. Uh, from uh, from Junior, he says, I've just found Frankie Boyle on YouTube, because if you've just woken up, Frankie Boyle makes the front pages of a number of the papers for today. And the reason he makes the, uh, the papers is because um, he's been rude about the Paralympics. They say sick jives. Uh, the Daily Mirror, who really haven't got anything else to run with at all today, are running with uh, Cheryl's car crash ordeal. It was in a car park. It wasn't really that exciting, but Cheryl's got her arm in a sling. But luckily she's got a record to promote, so she's back over here. I'll defy the doctors 
says Cheryl. Never one for a drama. And uh, the Frankie Boyle story, he, uh, he was making jokes at the Paralympic athletes. And now we've already explained before, if you know, if you know anything about Frankie Ball, if you've ever read his column, he's offensive. He's offensive to as many people as he possibly can be. Unfortunately, it's also it's like telling the truth. It's what they call observational comedy. Some of the stuff he does is is quite it's not hard hitting. It's just you go, oh, my God, have you gone too far on that one? But you do it in a jokey kind of way. So he sparked fury among nobody apart from the Daily Mirror people. Nobody else cares. Uh, when he branded the Saudi amputees thieves. Because he said, of course, in Saudi Arabia, if you if you thieve something, they cut your hands off. So he then made a joke. I mean, it, it seems a perfectly honest observation, but of course they're all up in arms over it. And, uh, and he talks about, you know, other people and things like that. He's a comedian. He's designed... To, comedians are designed to, pre- to, to provoke some sort of reaction, and that's exactly what he's done. And so if you go onto YouTube and watch him before you buy his DVDs, it's offensive. But at the same time, you laugh out loud because it's so offensive, it's almost gone the other way. Dame Edna was offensive to a lot of people. And, and every comedian, I mean, I can think of tons of comedians who were offensive to certain people. There's always going to be somebody who's going to be offended, isn't there? You're going to have Jewish comedians, you're going to have, you know, West Indian comedians, you're going to have Israeli you can have all sorts of comedians. They're always offensive to somebody. And to be honest, people just need to get a life. So, anyway, uh, a source at Channel 4, they've obviously asked the doorman or something, uh, says, we will wash our hands of him. And you think, yeah, right. <laughs> Don't believe a word of it, I'm afraid. Don't believe a word of it. Don't believe a word of it. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a pile of nothing, isn't it? It's a pile of nothing, I'm afraid. And so here is, here is Frankie Boyle. And I think he will still carry on working. I don't think anybody will ever worry about it. He just, he made jokes about Jordan's son. And that was, that was offensive to her. But she never took it any further, because she knew she was on a hiding to nothing. He's an observer of life. If he wants to observe that, then that's his business. Uh, there are better things in the papers to worry about today. Firstly, um, there is a girl here called Kim Edmonds. Kim Edmonds is quite clearly not all there in the brain department. To say she's psychotic would probably be a, a better description of her. And um, what she did, she went to the police, I think it was the, uh, the other year... And uh, and she said that a burglar had broken in, injured her and her dog. Her her dog is called Stig. Uh, an RSPCA inspector calling round to the house said it looked like an abattoir. He said the dog was so badly damaged by this burglar, um, the dog's head, nose and body had been cut. The walls of the living room were spattered with blood and Stig was also burnt. And... Um, and uh, Kim Edmonds said, um, you know, this man broke in and he, he slashed his knife at me as well. It turns out it's her. She's the person. She's the person who slashed her dog 31 times and did the self-inflicting. And the doctor came in, you could see straight away that the injuries were self-inflicted because of the angle and stuff like that. They, they, they could look at these things now. They're not stupid. And so this disgusting piece of filth, Kim Edmonds, has been sent to prison for only five months for only five months, for slashing her dog. And then appeared in the papers going, oh, somebody did this to my dog, let's hope they catch them. And it's her. All the time, it's her. A woman who shouldn't be allowed anywhere near any human being or animal at all. I mean, the attack would have been prolonged. The dog would have had to be restrained. And uh, they say here, clearly, Miss Edmonds has various other issues which need to be addressed. It's hard to put into words what she did. Well, she's quite clearly psychotically mad. She's quite, quite clearly criminally insane. Who can do that? 
Who could, who could ever do that to a dog that's supposed to be your pet? I mean, even worse, even worse was the uh, the cats that were dumped near a sanctuary in Lytham St Anne's near Preston. Three had to be put down because their eyes had been gouged out. I mean, you just... <laughs> You just can't understand what sort of person would do. If they catch them, I'll happily chop their arms and legs off myself. It's like looking at the picture of this this ghastly woman who mutilates her own dog, and you think, you, I hope they sort you out inside prison. I just, I mean, I just can't believe that somebody would ever do that to to something. It just, it just beggars belief that there are so many sick people out there, and that's the kind of thing that they would do. Oh dear, eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Kate in Harrow says, uh, what was the name of that company that does the car stickers? Seton. Seton. Uh, Seton. S-E-T-O-N. These are the car stickers to stop people parking illegally on your property. And uh, they do removable car stickers and non-removable car stickers. They both cost the same price. And uh, they're... Well, they they inconvenience the driver. Let's put it that way. They inconvenience a driver. You actually put them put them on there, and and they don't park again. So that's good news, isn't it? Uh, the day Diana died, Steve, we were on Cub Camp with uh, with a load of load of children, and uh, we told them the news at breakfast. You know what that means? One of the other leaders says, uh, Christopher, whose father was a vicar, he said in a voice full of resignation, "Yes, Daddy's got to rewrite his sermon again." I know, it's good, isn't it? Um, Claire Balding is featured in the papers today. She's obviously got an autobiography out. Uh, and I think somebody will somebody will be uh, reading it. Somebody will be buying it. But it's going to be serialised. I often wonder why, if, if a book is serialised in the newspapers, people actually go out and buy it. I don't know. Uh, Russell Brown and Jerry Halliwell have suffered their first cat fight. Um, do we believe their relationship? Do we care? The answer is, we don't really care about it. We really don't care. There's another bloke in prison as well. This is a jobless man. He's called uh, Spencer Brown. He had two dogs, Staffordshire Bull Terriers, uh, Freak and Tilly, which launched a ferocious attack on strangers in the street. Some of them needed surgery. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a bozo, I'm afraid. Anyway, he's going to be sentenced today. Lewis Crown Court. He was free on bail. And he was sent to the cells. So it's a very grave series of offences. Uh, he had cannabis. Possess- he's quite clearly one of life's little losers. One of those little sad people who uh, who sort of just thinks if you have two dogs, it makes you a big hard man. Well, big hard man going back to prison again. It's obviously not so clever now. The pets uh, will likely be put down because experts say they are, they are too aggressive. Sad, isn't it, really? Never get bad dogs, you just get bad owners. People who don't train them, people who don't go to puppy walking. And quite clearly, poor Spencer Brown, a man of limited intelligence. In fact, even that's going a bit too far, I should imagine. I don't think any intelligence at all goes out and thinks it's big. You see them walking down the roads with their dogs. They've got no control over them whatsoever. And in the end, the dog has to suffer. The dog is the one that gets put down. Whereas, in fact, I'd rather like Spencer Brown to be put down, I'm afraid. No such thing as a bad dog. Just bad owners, I'm afraid. And then there's a story of the... I don't know if you've ever... Dis- I used to find things on beaches. Seaweed, mainly. And you would... I would come back and whenever we went on holiday, I would actually find something that was washed up on a beach. At one time, I found a red... It looked like a small flying saucer with a long pipe underneath it with a metal thing. And, and in it was a note. And it came from a university. And what they were doing, they were tracking the tides. And so they say, if you find this thing, 
send it back to us. S- send the note back. You can keep the, the actual floaty thing, which I did for a while, and we threw it away, because my parents didn't keep anything like that. And, and they, they sent me 50 pence. I got a 50 pence thing. Unju- you just had to say where you found it, and then send it back, and they could then plot the tides, which I thought was quite good. But anyway, here is a bottle with a note in it. Amazingly, 98 years after it was sent. Did you, not, did you do it at the beach? Come on, hands up. Most people must have done it. Help, help. Save me. And then throw it in the sea and then wait and see if it turns up anywhere. Mainly it just turned up a bit further down the beach. But in this case, 98 years ago, 98 years, this message in a bottle was thrown into the sea and it was found. It was found. It was released by Captain C.H. Brown of the Glasgow School of Navigation, 1914, and was part of a plan to map sea currents around Scotland, recovered by Andrew Leeper, skipper of the Copious, as he trawled for monkfish east of Shetland. Now, amazingly, this discovery has been made by the same boat that held the previous world record for finding a message in a bottle. He's found two. Two messages in bottles. I mean, it is, it is quite amazing. The Guinness World of Records said it's a fascinating record, both historically and scientifically. <clears throat> so, uh, so, wonderful. I love that. 2006, they pulled the last bottle out of the sea. I used to love, I mean, I, I would love it. There's all sorts of stuff floating around in the sea we're not aware of. But I love the idea of finding a note in a bottle, you know, and you match people up. I used to find things constantly on beaches. Beaches were great. I always wanted a metal detector, but we never, we were never rich enough to get a metal detector. I wanted to go there. I see people as I'm going over Waterloo Bridge in the morning. One of my favourite views. My favourite view of looking up the Thames to St Paul's Cathedral. And, and I always see people, if the tide is down on the uh, South Bank side, with metal detectors wandering up and down the shore, seeing what's, uh, what's come in. Because there must be loads of... People must find loads of stuff. must be worth money, mustn't it? Otherwise, they're not going to be down there all the time. I'd love to do that. I don't want to compete with anybody on it. But I just, I just fancy the idea of a metal detector and finding yet another. Because you know of my rather cack-handed way of hiding money nowadays. Over the years, I've saved 2p and 1p pieces. And I've bagged them all up over the years. I mean, loads of bags. I mean, there could be 50 or 60 bags. And I've thrown them off bridges. I'm not telling you which bridges, but I've thrown them off bridges. Hopefully, in years to come, they will be unravelled and people will go, oh, look, there's all this treasure from years ago. It's going to be a little way down the line, I suspect. It's LBC 97.3. It's Friday morning. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And the time now is 5.30. Morning. It's Friday. It's LBC 97.3. It's... Steve Allen's early breakfast. I'm in quite a good mood, actually, this morning for a Friday. I don't know why. There's no, no particular reason why I should be in a good mood, apart from the Paralympics and how well we're doing. I do like it. I do. You do get a sense of pride, don't you? I was watching them yesterday. There was this man with one leg cycling round the velodrome. One leg. And he's got a little saddle to the side of a saddle, so his bottom's on one bit of the saddle, and then his stump of the other leg is on it. And he's pedalling with one, with one leg. And I looked at it, and I'm saying to my, I'm saying to the television, I can't do that with two legs, let alone with one leg. Nick Ferrari yesterday was talking to some people, and he was saying, very brave. And they were going, no, it's not brave. It's not brave to do that. They're just, they're just fit. They're just people who want to, they strive for perfection. They strive for an achievement. They're striving for that blooming medal. They want that medal come hella high water. And when I watch this man with one leg cycling, and you think to yourself, my God, I mean, that takes some going, doesn't it? it re- just the balance alone is difficult. But, uh, but achievements are in the papers 
all over them today for the Paralympics. It's going on over this weekend. Don't forget, next week, and I have to warn you again, I did yesterday, but I'll, I'll say it again, the kids are back at school, hooray, uh, next week. Keep little blighters off the streets. And uh, so the, the roads are going to be particularly busy with lots of mummies and daddies taking the little delightful urchins off to school so they can be educated. And what with all the traffic for the Olympics, it's going to be fairly busy, so you have to allow extra time for your journeys. But don't worry, they'll be seen. 97.3's excellent travel service, which will get you there in one piece. Talking of excellence, there's uh, the UK's longest-serving landlady. Her name is Olive Wilson. She took over the Royal Oak in 1953. She's still there. In 1953... How much could she do a wedding for? Catering for a wedding. How much do you reckon? 1953, they were doing a whole wedding um, for 30 quid. She could do a whole wedding, and that was, she says, ham, pressed tongue, salad, fruit and cream trifle and cakes. We would provide glasses full of cigarettes for guests, all included in the price. She ran it with her husband, Lewis. And uh, but it was only her name above the door because he worked elsewhere, and she and he then died, I think, back in um, whenever it was ninety four, and so she runs the pub with her daughters, still runs it at the age of seventy nine. Is that fantastic? Now that's what you call an achievement. It's still called the Royal Oak, and it's a Bass pub. Uh, before it was uh, somebody called uh, Offillers. I don't know what Offillers is, but nineteen fifty two. The pub looked roughly the same as it does now. It's still got the light over the door, still got the same window, everything. Nothing really changes. But isn't it interesting that uh, she says, when I took over, a pint was 5p, spirits were rationed, and lager didn't exist, but we did hire a television for the coronation. <laughs> that one? I love the idea of cigarettes in glasses, because I remember doing that. I can remember doing that in the pub I worked at years and years ago. And we used to take cigarettes out of the boxes and put them in glasses, wine glasses, on the table so people could sit there and have a cigarette. Isn't that funny? Things you remember. She says here it cost 11 old pence for a pint of mild and a shilling, five pence, for a pint of bitter. Uh, those were only cask ales. There was no such thing as lager and we didn't sell wine, which was a rarity. Just port and sherry. You know, come on, people listening to this programme at the moment go, do you know, I used to, you'd go in there of a Saturday evening and be the lounge, or it'd be the public bar, but if you wanted a bit of, bit of extra, you'd go in the lounge because it had carpeting, and you'd put it, there was a penny or tuppence on a drink, and you'd, you'd say, would you want a port? Oh, I'll have a port, please. We'll have two ports, or failing that, you'd have a sherry coming in a schooner. Do you remember that? Happy days they were, weren't they? And you'd sit there and people would have a cigarette and chat away and, and everybody seemed to congregate round the pub. And then in between the two bars, there'd be a little hatch and you could do a takeaway. No such thing as an off-licence. You, you bought it from the pub and they put it in a brown paper bag or failing that you didn't even get the brown paper bag. But at 79, I bet she, she's seen some changes. There was also, incidentally, for your 30 quid and that food that I mentioned to the cigarettes, they could get a band in as well. A band, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Sophie says it had to happen. Back to work at school on Monday in Chigwell. Diana was terribly betrayed. She was, yes, she was. Uh, you mentioned nice views, says Paul. People always ask what my religious views are. I always say there's a great view from St Paul's Cathedral. That There is, actually. There's a great view from the top. A great view from the top. I absolutely love it. Uh, 84850, UK. Um, a lot of people talking about the uh, the uh, the swimmers. 
with no arms. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's just, you can't even comprehend how you do things like that. You really can't. You just cannot get over how, how cool it is. How cool. Uh, I don't like Frankie Boyle, says Hugh, but I get the impression it's people who are offended on behalf of others who are kicking up a fuss over his latest jibes. I get the impression the Paralympics are just getting on with what they've got to do. They are. They couldn't care less what people say about them. They, they probably heard every gag under the sun. Every gag. It's like people who live in, you know, different, you know, Pratt's Bottom and places like that. They've heard every joke under the sun. It's water off a duck's back to them. Nobody in the Paralympics is going to be offended. It's other people who get offended on behalf of people from the Paralympics. Nobody really cares. You probably find it's just the Daily Mirror. They probably ask the street, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of the cleaner. You know, would you be offended by that? Yeah, there they go. The public are outraged. Whereas, in fact, the public really couldn't care less, could they? Uh, Annette Crosby is in the paper today. She was from one foot in the grave. Why is she complaining? Because she's hit out at plans to build a retirement home near her house. She says the three-storey building would be deeply offensive. She said, I'm deeply offended by the design. It looks like a warehouse. This is Merton Council. And they said the McCarthy and Stone application for the Home and Healthcare Centre will be discussed next week. I felt sorry for the woman who was in the paper this week, who they built a school next door to her. And it's so tall, this school. She says she is overlooked by in, in every room, in her bedroom, in her bathroom, in her kitchen, in her sitting room. Not that I think pupils have stepped... Oh, of course they do, don't they? I think they actually do. People stare out of the window. At school, I used to constantly stare out of the window. Deeply offended by the design... Did I say that? Deeply offended by the... That's what she said, yes. Deeply offended by the design. Interesting phraseology, isn't it, really? 84850, uk. A lot of people... Most people don't seem to worry about Frankie Boyle. Some people go, he's disgusting. Well, so? (laughs) Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. Uh, Please wish, says Noreen. Lindsley. A very happy birthday from all his friends. You met him at the Magic Circle and at Twickenham when he went to watch the Olympic cycling with little Julie and Winnie. And my friend Bob, Bob, has burnt loads of old cassettes onto my iPod. I had you and John when you were overnight talking about Washington. Then you and Clive, good Lord, when you took over at 1am, he was working on your body mass index. Do you know how much you weigh? You replied, nine stone, three pounds. Nine stone, three pounds. God, happy days. Happy day. When was this? Good Lord. Do you smoke? Yes. Do you drink a moderate amount? Yes. Do you drink more than three coffees a day? No. Do you have a... Anyway. And uh, do you exercise 30 minutes a day? No. Your life expectancy is 81. You said there's no chance of that and your BMI was overweight. Hysterical listening. Hysterical listening. God, nine stone, three pounds. They were happy days. You imagine when you used to tell people, nine stone, three pounds. Thank you to um, Vic... Uh, it said it's 4am and it's Friday the 31st. I hope you're still in that fantastic mood, which you were, just I'm getting ready for bed. I remember you said you had a love of circus on your programme, and I don't know if you read a book about Coco the Clown from the famous Bertram Mill Circus. I have the book, you're quite right. I have the book. In fact, it was sent in to me by a very kind listener. People say, Sometimes I'll, I'll mention things on the programme and somebody will, will send a copy in and say, listen, I have it, but, you know, please have it. And so I got this little tiny book in, first published in 1941, and I bought another copy the other day. It's become a bit of an obsession with me. The uh, definitive British circus book is called British Circus Life by Lady Eleanor Smith. And I've now got five copies of the thing. Five copies. I bought another one the other day, which is in a slightly bigger format than the earlier ones I've got. This one doesn't come with a slip cover on the outside, which we used to love, and that's when they're valuable, when you've still got the slip cover without it being ripped. And I have not got one of those. 
I think Jerry Cottle has one of those. And it was him that mentioned it. And the moment he mentioned it on television, everybody went out to buy this book. So I'd, what I do now is I leave it for a while until the, uh, the, the, the rush dies down. And then I order them all over the world. And so, as I say, now we've got five of these British circus lives by Lady Eleanor Smith, following uh, Rico and his circus with some lovely old-fashioned photographs, some really, some really interesting things. It was, it was just so... It was, just, it was a different era, wasn't it? A completely different era. Finally free to be the real me. That's Claire Balding in the papers today, the unrivaled TV star of the Olympics. But few know her, her troubles. I like Claire Balding. I don't want her to go too over the top and start, you know, going, oh, I think I'll do reality shows. And I, I don't want her to do that. I know it's not up to me to say that. But, you know, when somebody's very good at what they do, I want her to stay doing that. I don't want her to sort of to fall into the, uh, into the trap. Of uh, of doing reality shows, Hugh Stevens. Who's Hugh Stevens? I don't even know who Hugh Stevens is, but apparently he's oh he's obviously an artiste, and he's called for the uh, campaign to bring back Top of the Pops. I agree, I agree. Top. Of- I don't know why they ever axed all these things on the telly. It used to make me mad. What was the point of axing? It was a very good program. It was an out. I just suppose there's not really enough people who could actually sing nowadays to appear on there. But I suppose Little Minx could go on and mime with Duran Duran and Spandau Ballet. They they. The little minx in here last night. Oh dear, what were they doing? They got the cl- oh, they, did they get the cleaning contract? Oh, thank God for that. Oh, I was so worried in case they didn't. Well, what were they on? What were they doing? Those were their capital. Ooh, they have got a new single. Yeah, it's called Wings. They've got yeah, they have got a new single. So presumably, over the next week, we're going to see Cheryl Cole walking through the door, and somebody will say to me, "Would you like to meet Cheryl Cole, Steve?" I must be going, I don't think so, thank you very much indeed. I remember the last time she was in, she sort of came in and went out again fairly quickly. But they all arrive with entourage. I've noticed all these people... I mean, I need to get myself an entourage. I'm quite clearly doing it wrong. All these people walk in the building and the morning. Yeah, you could sort of follow... Yeah, you could follow me everywhere. I'd call the police, of course, if you did, but, you know. There is that thought. An entourage, imagine. I th- apparently you're only somebody important nowadays if you're, if you're in an entourage. I want an entourage. Um, other stories in the papers today... Apart from talking about how brilliant we are and how wonderful we are when we've got a, a gold for Jonathan Fox, who's a cerebral palsy sufferer, uh, and also Sarah. This is Sarah's story, the cyclist. I mean, just, you know, romp to victory in the velodrome. Well done, well done. We have to say, we don't say well done enough to people nowadays, do we? We just, we, we, we just go, OK, that's OK. We should, we should congratulate every single time somebody does something. If children do something good, you say congratulations. Because otherwise there's no incentive for them to do it again. But if they think that somebody's actually, you know, watched them doing something and they've done it well, that's why you give kids praise all the time. Some people don't. And then they fall off the rails. And it's a shame. All the papers talking... Well, not all the papers, but quite a lot of the papers talking about Diana's legacy 15 years on. What became of the, the men in her life... James Hewitt, of course, now 54, was the first to openly admit having an affair with the princess, but was shunned by her friends and his fellow officers for writing a book about their relationship. I talked to James Hewitt about it on LBC. He also opened a golf-driving range. He's also appeared in various reality TV show and now lives in Spain, where he runs a bar and restaurant in Marbella. Marbella. Which is near, near Ibiza. Quarter to six is the time, and the art dealer, Oliver Hoare, who is believed to have had a four-year affair with the princess, has never uttered a word about it. He, may, he remains an influential figure in the Islamic art world, and his marriage to uh, Diane survived the claims. Then, of course, there was Will Carling. I never liked Will Carling. I don't know why I never liked Will Carling. I couldn't bear his wife. 
Julia Carling. Do you remember when she went on pre- and did a, a thing because Diana returned up at an operation and she took the mickey out of her on television? After that, I went right off, right off Julia Carling. I thought, no, no, you're not a nice person. Quarter to six. <laughs> News headlines with Sam Pittis. US Republican presidential... <laughs> 84850, uh, Another one here. And it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's wonderful, actually, when everybody's saying all the good things, all the good things about the Paralympics. Everybody is in favour of it, which is fantastic, except Frankie Boyle, who's taking the mickey out of it. But there again, he has to. He has to. Uh, 84850. Oh, uh, a wonderful one here. And this is from uh, Franck. Is it Frank? Oh, that's a stupid Frank. I'll leave you alone to one side, actually, this morning. You're a bit too, a bit too dim, I'm afraid, to feature on this programme. Uh, Stephen Harlington says Diana was brought in for air and a spare. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They wanted, they wanted somebody there. But it was, it was the popularity. It was the popularity of the, uh, of the woman that I think amazed even them. Every paper. It was guaranteed. Ask any Free- Fleet Street editor. If you put Diana on the front cover, the circulation increased. I couldn't care less whether people didn't like her. I'm not bothered about people like that. They're generally sad and very lonely. But uh, but to sort of say that, you know, she was she was trouble for the royal family. No, the royal family were trouble for themselves. Not one of them could keep a marriage together. Not one of them. Interesting. 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. Uh, they said, no, it wasn't Mike Dickin who announced the uh, news of Diana. It was uh, Tim Crook, because Tim Crook was doing overnights. It wasn't Mike Dickin, I'm afraid. Uh, so uh, wrong on that one, I'm afraid. Uh, what helps fight dementia, believe it or not, and I, I wish I'd known this when I talked to Arlene Phillips, apparently the Mexican hat dance can help fight dementia. How that works, well, it's, I'm assuming... It's the one that goes da 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 da. The one thing you've got to do with with dementia, I am told, and I have this, and this is from Arlene, is you've got to talk to people. You've got to, and if they start wandering off, you then have to bring them back or change the subject. Changing the subject is very good. You've got to keep their mind active. It's when the mind starts slowing down and closing down that you then have to... You, you've then got a fight on your hands. And it's, and it's really difficult. It's, it's the forgetting bit. It's the forgetting bit that people can't get used to. The fact that people think they've done something, and in their mind they believe that they've done it, but they haven't. Have you eaten? Yes. Have you had a shower? Yes. Because they firmly believe they've had a shower. They walk into the bathroom, they think they've had the shower, and they believe it. It's like saying, black, white. No, 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 it's, it's definitely white. No, it's black. And that's, and that's where you get it, and that's where, where couples... And it must be incredibly frustrating, because it, it creeps up on you quite slowly. Quite slowly. Kevin the Milkman says, People seem to forget that Diana was Charles's ex-wife, and the royal family did not have to be involved. How, does an ex, how often does an ex get involved in a funeral? Sorry if I offended anyone, and no disrespect meant. Yes, it was ex-wife. It was, it was the fact that she was Diana. They wanted a stripper of everything, didn't they? They didn't want her to be Princess Diana, and yet she was the one who had more charities and did more charity work than the rest of them put together. I mean, half of them couldn't get off their fat bottoms to do anything. It was, it was the fact she was popular, and the British public took to her. The newspaper editors liked her. Everybody seemed to like her. I saw her in London a couple of times, and, um, she, and yet when you look back at the pictures of her, and you think, she wasn't any great beauty. She was okay. She just looked like a Sloney girl. There's loans, loads of Sloan girls out there 
loads of Sloney girls. And she wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't offensive. She was just, she was quite mild. She did her sort of thing, which a lot of Sloney girls do, which was work in nurseries. They look after children, and, and then they get married to somebody who kind of, like, you know, works in the city called Archie or something like that. And, and then we have children, and, um, and then and, and Bunty and uh, Tyrone uh, and Binky. And, and then we go on holiday, and uh, Mumsy's out in the country, in the heist. And so we go and visit them, and that's what they do. And they all wear these lovely Hermes scarves. <laughs> Everybody's got Hermes scarves. Hermes, you can, I mean, I'm thinking of buying one myself. And they've all got cars. They've all got the same sort of cars, and everybody kind of like, you know, people just, they're, they're just there. So when you look at the programme made in Chelsea, they're, they're real people, unlike the ones in Essex who aren't the real people. The, the, the ones in Essex are playing at, at what they think being rich is. They're, they're, they're what you call nouveau riche. They are nouveau riche, whereas the, the people made in Chelsea who actually have got money, they don't behave like people who've got money because they've been doing that all their life. It's only when you, you when you inherited a little bit of money. I was laughing the other day. There's the new calendar coming out. Wait for it. Wait for it. Mark Wright, ex of the only way is Essex. His, his calendar is out. Now, quite clearly, somebody must have said to this poor delusional person at some time, you could be a model. Well, he's only got the one expression. And the one expression is gormless. And so all the pictures in this calendar which is on the, uh, on the internet, is absolutely hilarious. Because he's only got the one plank expression. He just looks, ooh, a bit gormless looking into the camera. There's, no, there's nothing else. Somebody's got his shirt off. Somebody's got... He's, well, it's sort of, some of them are half naked. But it's just he's, he's just not attractive. But obviously somebody said to him, oh, you're really good looking. You could be a model. He couldn't... He, he's waxed. He's heavily waxed and airbrushed. He's, he's, he has a tan as well. But it, it's, he's just not. I don't want to be rude about him, but God, yeah, he has the yeah, he has the the, the hair done and everything. In fact, the more I think about it, the iller I'm becoming, I'm afraid. <laughs> but it's it's he's just not a good-looking bloke. If he was good-looking, he'd be a model. But of course, he's not a model. He's just a very silly boy whose TV program was candle. He thinks it's um, it's coming back again. I don't know why the last one didn't attract any audience at all. It's got to go. I'm afraid, got to go. So this Mexican dance. Is, uh, is proving a lifeline for dementia sufferers in British care homes. Dementia specialist Dr Garcia arranged from some residents to be taught some simple steps of the Latin ballroom-style dance known as Danzon. Twice-weekly sessions had a major effect. People, well, you see, you see, I think dancing is good anyway. Dancing, if you're sitting in a care home, the one thing that you want to do is, is, is move your limbs... You want to move your limbs. You want to start going like that, getting a bit of action going. And if you do a bit of dancing, even if you just tap your feet, that's good enough, isn't it? It's good enough just to tap your feet. Somebody was telling me the other day that, you know, even sitting at the desk doing a radio programme, you can do, um, you know, you can get some exercise. I mean, some people stand up. I told you that we Ollie was standing up doing the programme. I've never heard of that before. I'm only assuming some people don't like... Um, you know, sitting down all the time. I'm, I quite welcome the sitting down bit. Trish says, yesterday you mentioned about stickers you can put on cars that park in your driveway. I have a residential disabled parking bay for the last five years. It's been used by certain people, if you can call them that, who've said to me blatantly they can park where they like. As my bay, which I requested by the council, is a courtesy bay for disabled users. The council and the police are of no use... As it's only one person who occupies the bay, they're able-bodied and seem to know they do this, and uh, and they know that no consequences will follow. Yeah, you're at a loose end on that one. I can't do anything. It's it's people who drive into supermarkets and they pull into a disabled bay and then they go off shopping in a supermarket, and you know they're not disabled. 
They don't even have a sticker. They're just parking there. You feel like saying that's a disabled bay. Why are you parking there? And they look at you like they are lowlifes. They are the chavs of this world. But they're but they're 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 the sort of chavs who appear on the Jeremy Kyle show who have no respect for anybody at all. Least of all their own family. Least of all their own family. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is for that. I don't know what the answer is. I, I wish there was some easy answer. The night of Diana's death, says Richard and Sarah, we were actually driving through France on our way to our summer holiday in the south. We knew nothing of it until we arrived, and only then because people were crowding round a TV in reception that was showing Sky News. Very surreal and effectively underlined the rest of the holiday. A very strange and sad day. We tuned into another station. It was playing maudlin music interspersed with bulletins. Yes, I mean, we, we just became... It was like another Falklands War. We just became a, a station that respected and uh, reflected the views of everybody. And uh, we had people going down. I had people phoning me overnight saying, I'm down with the flowers now, Steve. I'm doing this and that. And there's a crowd of us down here all listening to LBC. Because we were, we were the ones who, who did it first. We were the ones who, who broke the news. The, the actual confirmation didn't come through until the early hours of the morning. And it did. It changed people's lives. It changed people's lives. The whole country. I think that would have been one of the biggest television audiences, Diana's funeral. Because you didn't expect it, because she'd been on the front page of the paper. If it had been the Queen Mother or the Queen, you wouldn't be that surprised because they were people of a certain age but diana was only young and it was the fact that it was it was fairly odd she was being pursued by the paparazzi it was in a tunnel the uh, the bodyguard couldn't remember anything uh then there were the pictures which were taken of her in the wreckage while she was still alive i'm assuming and somebody the paparazzi were taking pictures because they are relentless the paparazzi they're they're not remotely interested somebody's dead or alive they couldn't care less they're just getting pictures the more sensational it is the more chance there is of making a lot of money Hence the Prince Harry video, which I'm convinced is around the corner. Totally convinced. The producer was in a service station in, in Calais when she found out, listening to Duran Duran, I suppose, as well. And uh, it was strange trying to piece it all together from the French news. I was eight inches tall at the time. Very small little person. We were looking at pictures the other day. I was looking at pictures on the internet with James O'Brien's producer about little miniature horses, little miniature stallions, which come, I think, from Argentina. And I quite fancy the idea. Not a Shetland pony... But a, but a proper little horse. And we looked at one. It's the smallest in the world. It was so cute. You think... And apparently it was house-trained as well. Imagine trying to house-train a horse. They're very good. I've always wanted a pet lion or a tiger. And I don't know. Unfortunately, they, they do grow. In Essex, they have them. As you know, the couples who are on holiday down there, the bewildered drinking people, uh, see them all the time in fields. And it's shot off through the, the hedge. Of course, it's never been heard of since. It's obviously... Put, put a disguise on. Perhaps it's disguised as a bus driver or something that's driving around. Because it's certainly not dressed as a lion, because otherwise we'd have seen more pictures, wouldn't we? If, of course, it was genuine. Far be it from me to, uh, to sort of suggest anything otherwise, ladies. Oh, look, a flying saucer. Hello! Sorry, just a wave to some aliens who are landing in the studio. We'll have the news at six o'clock with Sam Pittis next on LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning. Fantastic news, isn't it? From tomorrow, no more squatters. Kick them out, arrest them, throw them in prison. Fantastic. No more people coming into this country, moving into somebody else's property, throwing it all out the window and laughing at them. That's what's happened in the past, and it just makes people ill. People who've... They've gone away on holiday, they've come back, and there's different people in their house. The locks have been changed on the door, and they go, you can't touch us. Now we can. Now we're coming in to kick you out. Bailiffs, get yourselves ready. Arm yourselves, kick them out. Oh, dreadful people. However, if you can't bear to be parted from your car 
Now, this is the big bugbear in London, isn't it? There's nowhere to park the car. Everybody's got cars. Years ago, you could look at a film about London and there'd hardly be any cars anywhere. There'd be nothing. One car in a street, two cars, because you would consider very rich to have a car. Now, most families, if there's mum, dad, two kids and friends, there's four cars on that drive, because mum's got a car, dad's got a car, and the kids have got cars as well. And there's nowhere to park, so you come back at night and you drive up and down the road trying to find somewhere. So a parking space is at a premium. They've solved the problem in Singapore. They have just put up a block of flats. You can take your car into the lift. They've got his and hers parking spaces because apparently there are more Ferraris and Lamborghinis per head than anywhere else in the world in Singapore. And so this double lift will bring the cars right up into your sitting room. And you can leave them there. It's a 30-storey block. 30, count them, 30 storeys. And the lift goes all the way up with your cars in it and you. And then you drive them into your apartment, which is built like a garage, but with a sitting room and bedrooms and everything else. Prices, incidentally, match it. Each of the uh, each of the flats costs between six and fifteen million pounds. So it's an expensive parking space, but it does solve the problem, doesn't it? It does solve the problem of actually having, you know, is the car safe? Yes, we're looking at it now. It's in the sitting room. We're on the thirtieth floor, and the car is here. Although, looking at the lift and thinking about how you get cars in there, you've only got to have will-I-am driving, and there's a chance you could actually drive or reverse out the back of the lift, straight crashing into the ground, because he's not the world's best driver, will-I-am. And as Mark points out, it's a bit of a publicity car crash stunt, if it is. It's amazing the photographer was there at the point of impact. I know, it's brilliant, isn't it? Well, he'd be followed all the time, because will-I-am is a huge star in his own mind, and Cheryl's nobody, I'm afraid. Uh, Both are trying to promote something. Cheryl records... Uh, Cheryl Records or the Sympathy Act and Will I Am, that awful voice. Just wonder if he knows how to drive. It does seem a very sad way to promote yourself. Oh, people would do anything to get the... People always turn it round for their own benefit, wouldn't they? People would turn something around and they'll say, oh, listen, you know, even though... And that's why the headline on the front of the mirror is so hilarious. Cheryl's car crash ordeal. It was in the car park at McDonald's. You know, it's hardly, you know, 100 mile an hour ambulances. They walked themselves into hospital with blood, a bit of blood. Somebody might take this capsule, squeeze that, there you go, a bit of blood. Injured star, I'll defy the doctors. Now, what she did, she became stupid Cheryl again when they said, listen, do you not think you want to rest for a couple of days? Because they say that in America. It covers them in case you drop dead. And so they say, do you want to rest for a couple of days? No, no, I've got a single remote. I've got to go back to England. So, of course, she turns up at the airport, you know, the big dark glasses on, pretending she's some celebrity, and uh, her arms in a sling. Probably cost her the best part of £10,000, I should imagine. Uh, Frankie Boyle, front page of the papers. People complaining and saying that he's, uh, he's rude about the Saudi Paralympics team. Saying that they were all crooks. Because in Saudi they cut people's hands off. You've caught stealing something, they cut your hands off. And so he said they're obviously all crooks. You know, it was a harmless, innocent remark. You know, it's from Frankie Boyle. You know, if it come from Ken Dodd, you might be thinking differently, but it didn't. Or Jasper Carrot. In fact, Jasper Carrot would probably come up with that. He'd come up with that one and he'd get away with it. Why not? But unfortunately, it's Frankie Boyle and people go, it's disgusting. Middle England is absolutely outraged. They're they're so cross about this. You know, they might not even have the extra gin with their dinner this evening. (laughs) Which which we like, don't we? We like that idea. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Where can I get the Steve Allen Super Cool 2013 calendar? Steve Allen in a variety of poses. 
Or just pithy comments. I think pithy comments are always the ones that work for me, I'm afraid. Uh, Jeff says, Diana charmed the world with her beauty, charm and serenity. Her work for charity was endless, and I can't imagine anybody like her ever again. Well, there won't be. She was a one-off. She didn't copy anybody. She might have copied the hairstyle, but it was like Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Fawcett Majors. When she had that hairstyle, the whole world wanted to copy it. Girls were going, I want my hair like Farrah Fawcett. It was that long, you know, nice look. Then Diana popularised a hairstyle, and people just liked her. She was good copy. She was good copy for the newspapers, and it's 15 years to the day. Doesn't really seem possible, does it, that she died. Uh, Phil says, read the little horses. I hope celebrities don't buy them. They'd carry them in their handbags. Oh, Jerry Halliwell would, wouldn't she? Sort of thing she'd carry. Or some, some numbskull from the end. Twice I've used that word, numbskull, on the programme. It's not even one of my words. I don't have that in my vocabulary. But they, they, they carry dogs, so I'm assuming they will also be carrying little horses around. <laughs> uh, 84850. I found out that the Spencers were making history at 400 years before the uh, the Saxe-Coburg Hanovers. Oh, yes, there was more, more royal blood in Diana's family than there was in the royal family. There's, there's, there's more of a history, more of a history, which I'm sure that, uh, that you know about. Andrew says, on squatters, what about all the properties left empty by councils? Well, that's up to the council. That's up to the council. I have to sort that out. You know, you have to sort that out. And, uh, and it, it, it just wasn't... wasn't I'm afraid there. Uh, no, definitely not Mike Dickin, who announced uh, Diana's accident. Definitely not, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. Uh, Anne-Marie says, I'm, I'm awake. I've got a neighbour who bangs on my windows every couple of nights. Well, don't, don't retaliate. That poor bloke who stuck the firecracker in that, uh, the young man's buttocks. He's gone to prison for 14 months because he got fed up with people banging on his front door. Uh, Johnny says, royal family made the mistake of going public. With a TV special in the late 60s, early 70s, the mystique was gone along with the standards, yes. Uh, and Tony says, just to find out with these Olympic names, anybody got fines for mistakenly driving? Yes, so far they've handed out £835,000 worth of fines. They're just under the million pounds. It's good, isn't it? I love it. Because you couldn't tell, any, you know, if they're particularly dumb. Particularly dumb, I'm afraid. Uh, you know, that's, that's it, I'm afraid. That's it. You have to... You have to then say to somebody, I'm terribly sorry, you can't, uh, you can't do that. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. And so we're going to give you a fine. We're going to give you a fine. So, so we, we fine. We fine them. And it's good. Which is good. So they've been, they've been fined and we've raked in £835,000. Which is wonderful. Graham says, I've got hundreds of hours on tape of Kenny Everett radio shows. Is anybody interested in them? No. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they're all archived here. I think they've, they're, they're archived at Capital. I know his, his uh, producer, his ex-producer. Well, quite clearly his ex-producer, because he doesn't do the show anymore. But uh, no, no. I don't think anybody wants those sort of things. Perhaps, you know, radio aficionados would want that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know where you lie on the copyright thing. I'm not sure. On, on the copyright thing, I don't think you're allowed to actually get rid of them, because they're not yours. You might have taped them on the on from the radio, but they're definitely not your copyright. If you go to sell them, uh, somebody might come down very heavily on you. And you wouldn't want that, would you? You don't want heavy people on top of you at all. There's a television now that's bigger than a car. This is the new Panasonic. It's 145 inches. 145 inches. That seems quite big, actually, to me. It's uh, a plasma. It's in the shops next year. And uh, the price will be... We don't know. We don't know. The Sony Bravia is priced here at... This is an 84-inch television. £16,000. What, for a television? Ridiculous waste of money. 
LBC 97.3. I'm trying to get over the price of this television. £15,000. The Sony Bravia is £16,000. This is for an 84-inch television. The new one is about 10 feet 6 inches wide. This is the new Panasonic and probably will actually come in at around about fifteen, sixteen thousand. 16000 I didn't know they cost that much money. I keep seeing all these televisions in Costco's and they don't, you know, £2,000 would be considered an expensive television. In fact, I don't think I'd spend, I did spend £2,000 on a telly once, but I mean, now they're so thin and the picture quality is so good and they all but sing and dance and do the washing up for you. But it's actually bigger than the Toyota IQ City car, which is only nine foot, nine inches long. Whereas the Panasonic is 10 feet, 6 inches wide. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous television getting... I mean, you've got to have a big room to put that in. You've got to have a big room so that you can actually see the blooming thing. There's no point in putting it in if you've only got a small little bed set. It's just not going to happen, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, Tim, well, he might have done, but uh, LBC did it first. LBC did it first, I'm afraid. Mike, Mike Dickin might have done it. He might have done it because he was on at the time, but LBC did it before them. We know that for a fact because we, we actually get the uh, the credit for it. So uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And, uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I know he did do it, but we did it first, Patricia. OK, we did it first. Julia's charity lunch was a, was a very good success. They raised £540, so the total's well up, just under the five grand. So you will reach five grand by the end of the year, Jan. And uh, Mark says, all these people knocking on doors happened to me too. This morning, two o'clock, the name was hammering on the door. He said, still, it was OK. I was up playing with drums anyway. <laughs> 84850, uk. Other stories which are in the papers today... This is uh, some people who rescued a horse and two of Britain's biggest mortgage fraudsters were ordered yesterday to repay more than 30 million. Sakir Afzal and Ian McGarry were jailed for a total of 20 years for fleecing banks out of 49 million. Afzal bought cheap properties, including a cow shed, and paid crooked surveyor McGarry to give false valuations. They've been ordered to pay £29 million or spend another 10 years in jail, which time hopefully they'll be dead. I just, I don't, I don't mind mortgage fraud so much. It doesn't seem as bad to me, mortgage fraud, as some of the other things that people are in prison for. 84850, uk. Don't forget Harrods Christmas Department is open at the moment. Lots of glittery things, all festive wonderfulness. And um, I said earlier on that kids... Uh, TV legend Johnny Ball has signed up for Strictly Come Dancing and Ronan Keating is getting his life back on track after the collapse of his marriage. It's because he cheated on the wife. I love the way they try and turn it round. All of a sudden we're supposed to feel sorry for Ronan Keating. Not much uh, sympathy there. Uh, glamour girl, girl Jordan, nothing glamorous about Jordan, I'm afraid, is splurging thousands on more horses to try and get into Team GB for Rio. She thinks she's good enough to take part in the 2016 Olympic Games. She says, I bought two more show jumpers and I'm going to start competing. I'm just concentrating on my horses now. Oh, that's dull. She was boring before. She's even more boring now, I'm afraid. Uh, Ross Kemp has reported from Afghanistan. He's obviously got something else new coming. I think it's Extreme World. And uh, he's, he says, I've dodged bullets in Pakistan, seen a witch hunt in Africa, but Glasgow is the toughest place. Glasgow? Glasgow is the toughest place. I went to Glasgow. I went to Glasgow. And uh, I liked it. I thought it was really nice. Really nice. Diana would have defended her clown Prince Harry like a lion, but worried over his boozy antics. Who says so? Andrew Morton. 
the official biographer, he wrote the book about Diana, which uh, I suppose made him immensely rich. Immensely rich, as everybody did. Everybody was writing books, weren't they, about Diana, and uh, royal correspondents were everywhere. Everywhere. It was always, it was always royal correspondents who pop you go, by me, what did you do before you were a royal correspondent? Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, this one here uh, is... Oh, they're talking about style in the papers. Style. And also the success story of the Paralympics. But also, they're talking about Britain's Got Talent. And you remember Pudsey? Pudsey, apparently, is going to be a uh, a judge on a little doggy talent show. It's uh, This one is called... Wait a minute. Oh, no, this is Britain's Got Talent winners Ashley Butler and Pudsey getting the royal seal of approval as they perform for a lookalike of Her Majesty. I think we know this, uh, this lookalike of Her Majesty. And it's during Red or Black. So it's obviously been... It's pre-recorded, isn't it? This is where I got confused about Red or Black. I got very confused about Red or Black. I wasn't too sure whether or not it was all live or some of it was pre-recorded. I don't, I don't know, actually. Uh, Simon in Essex says, Is it just me who's astounded at the lady who's complaining at her son who should not go back to Wormwood Scrubs as they can't cater for his needs? Uh, he says, Well, surely don't commit crimes anymore. He's a drug peddler. He was, he was done for peddling drugs. That's why. I mean, it, he's apparently not getting the uh, the right treatment that he needs because they do have rights they do have rights even if they're prisoners some people spend their time in and out of prison uh, scott in alperton says uh, cheryl cole's accident and related news now the x factor is back all we're going to have are the alleged stories in the papers the news about all the people uh, on the show current and ex-presenters and participants it's all nonsense it's a manufactured way of getting in the news because there's a book and everything else that's what people are um I'll just go back. Sorry, I'm halfway through reading a text there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. I've lost it now. And uh, it says here it's all it's all petty rubbish to get things X Factor in the news. They must think we're stupid. Simon Cowell is very clever. There'll be a slew of well placed and thought out news stories. Of course, Scott. That's that's what works. That's how they actually get stories into the newspaper. It's no good saying to, to anybody who listen. The X Factor is back. Please watch it. There's got to be a story on there of somebody who's badly behaved, somebody who throws the microphone down, somebody who swears at the judges. There's got to be something, because it's, it's, it's the only thing that's going to give them coverage. Nobody likes good news. We've said before, good news does not sell newspapers. Bad news sells newspapers. Bad news always sells newspapers. Uh, Roy in central London is working very hard. He says, uh, I like your, uh, your programme. You were slating Wayne Rooney. Um, how would you say that broadcasting has changed since you first started? It hasn't. It's exactly the same. I'm doing exactly the same now as I was back in 1979. Hasn't changed. Hasn't changed at all, I'm afraid. Has not changed. Just just pays better money now. It pays much, much better money. Don't forget, on Sunday morning, we've got the best of Steve Allen, which runs between five and six, and between six and seven, it's In Conversation. This week, Arlene Phillips talking about dementia, because her father died of dementia. And it's a, a very interesting... It's not a depressing programme at all, I promise you. And then we've got the fabulous Barry Cryer, who's in talking about his uh, 
his career. What a career it's been. The people he's worked with. I don't think there's many people that Barry Cryer has not written for. He's written material for most people. A lot for Ronnie Corbett. He's written for Phyllis Diller. He's written for all the big names over the years. And uh, we're delighted that he's joining us this week for In Conversation, which you can then download. Don't forget, every day as well, there is also a free podcast. And the free podcast runs at about 7 o'clock in the morning. Sorry about that. The, the squeaking there of the next person's limbs. <laughs> you get some WD forty, don't you? And, <laughs> and other things. Anyway, so and so that's coming up on Sunday morning, and then we've got the free podcast, and then there's the other podcast which goes with all the other podcasts on LBC. And if you go to lbc.co.uk, there's details on there. From as little as £2 a month, you can download everything on the station. Uh, the only good thing, well, the good thing for you is that on programmes such as this, we take out the news and the travel, so you just get the programme. We've taken out all, all the bits that you, you don't want to hear again, so we've taken those out, but there's all the news programmes on there. And we go back years. We go back years, so you can go and check them out if there's a particular year you want to listen to and find out exactly what was going on then go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show, at Steve Allen Show. We'll have a quick check, uh, the front pages of the the papers. Will I am as bad at parking cars? Yes, this is the the Cheryl Cole story on the front. He, He came out of the hospital with a neck brace on, but... As we've advised you in the past, it's the only thing doctors can't prove. They can't prove whiplash. If you go in there and say, I've got whiplash, that's why people say, um, are you sure? And the doctors have got no test that they actually give to somebody now to prove that they have got whiplash. So that's why you're paying through the nose for your insurance. Other stories on the front pages of the uh, papers today. The Sun, the success story. Sarah and John winning first GB Golds. And exclusive, Stars Crash came after 3am trip to McDonald's. Here's uh, Cheryl, let's milk it for all the publicity we can, Cole. And uh, hope we sell a few more tickets for the concerts, Cheryl. I'm really looking forward to hearing you singing live. (coughs) Daily Express today, wettest summer for 100 years. It looks all right today. The weather forecast is quite good for this weekend. Uh, And a quarter of all births are to foreign mothers in this country. 1,300 migrants a day pour in, and almost half a million flooded into the UK, and astonishing statistics prompted fears that the country has lost the battle to bring mass immigration under control. Lovely picture of the Duchess of Cambridge. I don't think she takes a bad picture. She's a bit like me, really. A little bit like me. I don't take a bad picture. I'm lucky. You know, I think if you've got good bone structure, I think that helps, actually. And I'm, I'm, quite, I'm lucky with my bone structure. Very good. I've got a good jawline. I know. Good jawline. It's nice to be noticed, actually, isn't it, really? We've got jaw, good jawline. And also, I'm lucky with my outfits. You know, a bit of a fashionista around this building. Uh, Claire Balding, I finally feel free to be the real me. She's uh, coming out and telling you all about her girlfriend, how her parents, you know, didn't she didn't come out, she had boyfriends. I don't know why she's doing it. I think she feels the need to... Oh, wife, sorry. I was just, she feels the need to get it off her chest. A rather ample chest. And so you can read that in the... Quite a lot of it, really. In the uh, in the mail today. And I think it's going to be serialised. Listen, have a fantastic weekend. Do join me Sunday morning, please, for the best of Steve Allen and then in conversation. And we should be lucky with the weather. I'm back with you Monday morning, as usual. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7. Next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. As a landlord, I let my property with 